0: Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks (laughs)
1: Alright, hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks My name is Carl Hartley My name is Max Peterson (laughs) Woo!
0: I'm doing the whole thing Come on man
1: Hold on (laughs) Because one of the things that I couldn't say when I had an over under bet with myself on whether or not that's how you're going to open the show. I owe myself a dollar. You
0: owe yourself a dollar. Yeah.
1: There's no way you don't open the show that way as soon as as soon as this film started rolling when I watched it last night and that happened during the' it was actually on the, the menu, I'm like, credits. that's how Max is gonna open the show. I guarantee Goddamn there's a reason I opened it that way, which is
0: my dad, this is my probably my dad's favorite. One of my I'll dad's favorite what, films. What movie? We are, okay, today <laughs> we are watching 1987, What well, we watched and are discussing yes. 1987's Raising Arizona, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, starring Nicolas Cage, Holly Hunter, John Goodman, William Forsyth, and Francis McDormand in a hilariously small but... Hilarious uh, performance, right? Uh, and all pretty much all of them are Coen Brothers darlings. They show up again and again, except yeah. for Nicolas Cage. This is the only time. The only
1: does he have a cameo? In I don't the think. Thing? I think this is the only. I one. think his is this is his only Coen Brothers Bert, movie. Sure.
0: Uh, although Holly Hunter does show up again in another one of their movies. Fuck it, who cares? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Francis McDormand. I I had to look her name up, but she was the, in blood simple. The second you see her, Full Fargo. Oh, she's well, the duh. goddamn she's cop a, yeah. in Fargo I, <laughs> I bring like, up
1: blood symbol yeah you're like how about fucking Fargo uh, their obscure
0: first film <laughs> she's in that I'm like uh, she's. how about their most famous film of you know like the. <laughs>
1: Sometimes I'm a bit of a dick.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you're like, oh, they did a stupid film.
1: In Cottage, she was there's only three
0: copies of it, and she does appear for one point two seconds as an extra. I'm like, yeah, she's also in Fargo. Let's (laughs) and Fargo, Dick. So anyway, my my dad showed this movie. We bought it on we had on VHS, then later we had it on DVD. And then I bought it on Blu-ray like the second I moved out of the house. So I've seen this movie probably like 50 times. But when we were kids. Three for me. You've seen it three?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Okay, being realistic, I've probably seen it like high 20s, low 30s. But I've watched it a lot. And my brother and I, as children, like I think me like 10 years old, him like six, we used to do that. We used to walk around and Sam (laughs) would just be like, And I'd start singing along with them. and then, go, oh and then the whole family's doing it. So we're like a bunch of weird, like hillbilly type folk in our backyard, being like, <laughs> <laughs> So that's,
1: that's actually quite wonderful. It's
0: intrinsically yeah. in my DNA. I can't not do oh,
1: it, and it just feels warm and like home and sort of nostalgic. I mean, I get it. It does, yeah. yeah. And then the
0: cops show up. And the
1: cops show up because you can't stop. It's not the quick stop. And it's like, the what
0: were the child? What was the <laughs> child wearing? What was the child? <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh my goodness! So this is this is two things. Well, this movie is a lot of. It's things. a lot of things. It's a lot of things. It is the Coen Brothers' second film, right? They, following Blood
1: Simple, right. which I brought up.
0: Right? Yeah, that book. well-known Coen Brothers staple, Blood Simple. <laughs> uh, actually, that might be the only Coen Brothers movie I haven't seen is Blood Simple.
1: Oh, really? Yeah,
0: I've seen. I think everything else they did. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, but um, trailer, right? so they did Blood Simple. Uh, have you ever heard the story of how Blood Simple got picked up? No. It's actually kind of fun. We can do it if you want, or I can just be like, "Fuck it, go look it up on Wikipedia." Oh, well, about and so it. And we we're talking um, about the Coen Brothers, anyways. I believe the gentleman's name is Jim Jacks. He was working at a small screening house in California, I believe. Um, I, I vaguely remember the story, so I, I might be getting the details wrong, but the the, the broad strokes are correct. correct. He was working at this small screening house, and they uh, were like, "You know what we should do is we should." because they they had like a reputation they mm-hmm. were like we should distribute films so they're like hey mr jim jacks he wasn't he wasn't a film person at all he was just like a your joe Sh- a average dude. joe schmo who liked wow. movies yeah okay. so they're like you seem to know what you're talking about and you seem to appreciate films so they sent him to a film festival and he watched Blood Simple and was like, "I think these guys know what they're doing." Amazing. So he went back to the the basically the movie theater, more or less, that was trying to get into distribution mm-hmm. and acquisition. And they were, he was like, "You guys, these these Cohen brothers, they did this little film, Blood Simple. I think you guys should show it at your theater." And they acquired it, and that's how they got their start. And then that they, is did, amazing. they did raising Arizona. Because Blood as their second Simple album. is
1: real indie. I mean, yeah,
0: it's, it's got that we barely were able to make mm-hmm. this feel. This movie's budget was five million dollars. Five million,
1: and yeah. what they were able to accomplish with
0: with five million dollars, five million stunning,
1: unbelievable. So I mentioned something on a previous podcast about how I feel about the Ethan, the Ethan and the Joel Cohens. I'm turning this off. No, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. and and so I feel like there's two Cohen brothers. There's. The Coen brothers in their first like five movies, and then when they started oh, you to mean make Coen brothers. I was brothers like, there movies. are. There
0: are two Coen brothers. Well, films. of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, so we well, you, you meant, see, there are two of them. You meant
0: there are two. There are two, there's two, types, two types of Coen of brothers, Coen brothers, brothers films. films. Right. Okay.
1: It's they're, what I think is their later films
0: Burn After Reading. Burn
1: After Reading. Um, certainly not No Country for Old Men. Yeah, that's a big
0: departure for them. But we'll really quick. We'll eventually talk. So I
1: feel like their first five movies are unique and beautiful and almost perfect movies in their own right for different reasons. Right, and then. And it happens to a lot of artists and musicians and actors. They, they, you t- kind of plagiarize yourself. Are you, yourself a are little you bit.
0: talking about? I just want to get it right in my head. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Barton Fink, Miller's Crossing, mm-hmm. Raising Arizona, Blood Simple, and Fargo. Yes. So that's early Coen that's Brothers early for Cole you. Bro- and absolutely. Then after that, you're talking about like, like
1: No Country, Burn After Reading, uh, Men Who Stare at Goats. Where and, do you put Hudsucker Proxy? Oh shoot! Make it six then. Yeah. Well, so the Hudsucker is a weird flick, anyways. Kind of, but I, I think it's more dig there it. early. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's got that Barton Fink feel.
1: Yep, exactly. I can kind of see so that. I'm I was, like, I, and I was sort of, I remember. It where's Old oh, Brother where Art, though? That's, oh, la- that, that's oh, Latter Day oh Cohen. That's Latter Day Cohen, but it still has enough of that. Um, but I'm just not. I'm probably going to, everyone's going to flame me for this, but I'm not a big fan of O'Brother Brother, where Neither I'm, am I. So, actually, and I got a lot of shit when, because yep. I'm a huge Coen Brothers
0: fan. Mm-hmm. So, everyone's like, you haven't seen Oh Brother, it's their best one. And I'm like, I okay. Completely disagree. Sat down and yeah. watched it. I was like, you guys are watching the wrong Coen Brothers movies. Yeah. And when I talk to people about the Coen Brothers, they know Fargo, but they usually don't know the rest of the early oeuvre that we were just talking mm-hmm. about. They know Fargo, and then they jump ahead to like, Oh Brother, where art thou? Burn after right. reading. And they're like, they're so funny. I'm like, they're. They're not as funny as they were and when they were, they were younger. Oh and my so god, where would you put the Big Lebowski?
1: I always forget that that's a Coen Brothers
0: movie. I put that in their early stuff yeah. too. I think they have seven, they have seven solid, solid films, films and then, then, then. They, like a couple that don't hit. Right. But there are I mean, it's for me it's inarguable Maybe I'm no just, country for old maybe Men is just a great so affected
1: film. me so much that that I thought my nosteric Goats and Burn After Reading were so just horrible in my that I I've, I've thought I'd, there was more. I'd never, I've <laughs> never they were seen, bad but I've never seen the men Apparently who I'm Stared at but
0: people um, people always point me to it. They're like, You gotta go watch right. it. It's so funny. But it I'm s i am it smells suspicious to me. It smells oh, like there's
1: the man who wasn't there too.
0: That's an excellent film. So they have eight. Okay. <laughs> What we're learning is they only have two bad movies okay. and they're fucking geniuses. All right, so. <laughs> Old oh, oh Brothers kind of okay. Right, right, right. It's fun. It's another movie that features pomade heavily, which I didn't know. Dapper Dan, prompt. yeah. I'm a Dapper Dan man. I didn't catch the brand on this one, but it's such a throwaway pom- thing, I think it
1: just said pomade uh, I think it hand. does yeah. just say
0: Palmhead. But for me, we we should really do Cone Brothers I guess like, so, yeah. But yeah, so there's, a, uh, there's like a transition where Oh brother, where art thou? Is just okay, and it feels like they like kind of misstepped a little. They're fucking geniuses, so I'm not like you know I'm not stepping on their dick here. They're they're amazing, (laughs) but it feels like that was a little wobbly. And then you get Burn After Reading and Men Who Stare at Goats, which I'm gonna take your word for it because it feels it seems like that kind of thing. So those seem like not good films. I didn't like Burn After Reading pretty much at all. I was like, no, you guys, who are you? Right. But I think No Country for Old Men is stunning.
1: It's. Re- it came out the same summer as uh, "There Will Be Blood." Right. Yeah. That was like in, the year. Right. They were in competition for like best of everything.
0: Right. Those two movies. Everyone else was just like fucking hanging. It, it was up. like
1: screw it. We've we got to come up against it. these two titans. Got, there of will cinema. be
0: blood, and we've got fucking. <laughs> you know no what country that's what we should do. i'll do that when if we ever do the cohen brothers month mm-hmm. we'll do no country and i will re-release our there will be blood episode oh, in the main show awesome. so everyone can hear those two together because god cool. damn it dude those are they're they're almost like like blood brother they ca-
1: they really are they're weird like way. i say bookends a lot uh but they're like twins they're they r- are really symbiotic in a way yeah. they
0: f- they feel like two they feel like
1: of a piece They're like not identical twins but they were in the womb for nine months together they
0: feel it's really <laughs> similar in a weird way yeah it's almost they,
1: like they shared embryonic fluid it's like is that a word the
0: the, the ruler of hollywood the all-powerful ruler yeah. of hollywood he went to um the coen brothers and oh god help me who directed uh there will be blood his name is paul thomas anderson yes uh he went to those two sets bird will you grab trainer's or throw please Um, He went to those two directors and was like I want you to make a film that feels like And then he
1: whispered some words in their ear And they both went (laughs) and and made made movies movies. Yeah, (laughs) That's amazing
0: Um, But that's not what we're talking about
1: We're talking about Raising Arizona Holy shit, it's my favorite Coen Brothers movie Okay, so this is my third time watching this movie I have a very strong top five list Of my top five favorite movies Films, yeah This is now like number six (laughs) It's knocking at the door Holy shit (laughs) This yeah. movie is dare I say, I would I hate to call it's anything so perfect, good. but it is so it's almost perfect. flawless. It's almost flawless. I
0: can't pe- I I was kind of looking. Yes. Usually I watch this with pure joy, but this time I'm like, okay, I put on the critics' glasses. At, mm-hmm. Let's see if I can. There's nothing.
1: The the fact that they were able to make something that is simultaneously a live action Looney Tunes cartoon <laughs> and an actual heartwarming and sometimes heart-wrenching story with people that are overacting and mugging like crazy but
0: in character
1: but in character and nothing feels out of place or or it's, it's this so, heightened reality. It's so consistent? yeah oh. and even like I, th- I talked about this last week with Valley Girl that I think that I'm old, too old now for like some of those slapstick comedies and like the more broad comedies, right? Where this is funny throughout, yeah. And some of the things that are so funny are are not necessarily meant to be. They're f- played straight, right? For like when he is in prison for like the fourth time in six and a half minutes, right, right. <laughs> where his cellmate, his cellmate is in the bunk of, uh, over top of him. And not over top of him, but is on it, the top book. Is it this dialogue yeah, right it's here like, The eating dialogue? The eating dialogue? Yeah. The, the, and it's like, we didn't have that. We ate sand? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just well, what is the actual dialogue. But. The
0: actual dialogue is, when there was no meat, we ate fowl. And when there was no fowl, we ate crawdad. And when there was no crawdad to be found, we ate sand. And Nicholas Cage says, goes... You ate, you ate what, you ate what? he goes we, we ate, ate sand, sand. It's you <laughs> ate sand we ate
1: sand right, he just that keeps imp- tagging it you again, ate sand? And again we ate sand yes. it's like oh my god so funny my <laughs> but really quick about <laughs> yeah the, about
0: that line um the other thing that this movie does which almost no film does well chinatown is an example of a film that does this well this movie has an amazingly effective voiceover.
1: One of, the, and that's one of the big taboos, right? Is like voiceover is universally universally, fucks universally up panned and fucks it up. Yeah, perfect use of this voiceover is my favorite. And voiceover I thought in about film. why. Uh huh. In some, it's so a lot of times what what Hai is saying in the voiceover is having to do with what we're seeing, but what we're seeing is informing us even more. And it, it's no I noticed yeah. it right away in the in in the what fifteen minute pre title Yeah, the like it's, it's not a, a it's really not long. a cold
0: open, but it's it's pre the like the, the premise where the premise, they established. Him meeting,
1: him meeting Ed and the I love whole how they thing. did that. Yeah. They push it and push it and push it. Cause like we're he could be talking about oh, I, I wish I did write the lines down. I brought my wrong notebook, but <laughs> but he's talking about how, you know, he, he was in and out of prison and how he met this this girl, but what we're seeing mm-hmm. is could be taken from a different context right. right the two aren't it's like and then i went up to a tree and i asked her to be my girl and then he goes up I'm like would I, you like to be my I girl think a it's lot like of, there's a parallel thing happening yeah that's also running a different track i it's, think it's what really interesting where
0: think. voiceovers a lot of times fail is they just simply describe what we're seeing right this you know what? I, I, the Cohen brothers are amazing directors. Mm,
1: their visual style is bonkers. But I
0: wrote down again and again as I was watching this, and then thinking to the rest of the movies mm. that I love, and fast forward to um, No Country for Old Men, I think that they are some of the best screenwriters living.
1: They're not their, wasting any words. Everything is meticulous. And
0: their dialogue is incredibly unique mm-hmm. without being... Um, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, director... uh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, without being stilted. Wes Anderson's dialogue is awesome and fun Mm -hmm. because it's... Because it's stilted. It is Wes Anderson talk. When everyone's talking in a Wes Anderson movie, you're like, none of this is real, but it's all fun and quirky. Right. The Coen brothers, when they write dialogue, it is unique. You can... You can hear a Coen Brothers movie. You're like, oh, this is the Coen Brothers, but it's not like it's stilted and weird. It's this is so fucking stunningly genius and original that this could be only the Coen Brothers. Uh, Um, Did you read how they came up with the dialect for their characters? No, I did not. Um, I did a little bit of, uh, uh, right before you got here, I was like on IMDb, like trivia, trivia, fuck. Does right. it? Uh, <laughs> I, knew, I knew almost everything in the trivia section. Cause this movie, I've seen this movie like 30 right. times, this right? Is, yeah. I grew up with it. I've listened to all the commentaries that exist. I've seen, you know, all the YouTube footage, um, but I didn't know this, and I, I can't fact-check it, obviously, because it's just trivia, but um, they, the Cohen brothers apparently stated in an interview that they came up with each character's dialect, their sp- particular speech patterns, based on what that character probably reads most often. So a lot of people's... like v- Stop it. Okay. A lot okay. of people's verbiage, <laughs> the people who read the Bible frequently... They're, they're quote, quoting the Bible, scripture and... And people who read magazines use like uh, they'll use language straight out of advertisements. Like for example, the guy behind the counter when he's stealing the uh, when uh, um, uh, William Forsythe is stealing the Huggies at the end, and he's like, "Uh, "Do I need any pins for these old timer?" And the old guy says. No, those there have the adhesive tabs. Oh, right. <laughs> They're straightforward and fairly self explanatory. It's like dialogue right straight out, out of, of an the, ad because he probably reads a lot he reads of magazines. All the times. Right. Yep. So everyone's dialogue is informed by their reading material. So that's why everyone has such that's a. I know, man. Brilliant. Uh, it, it makes you want to be a better writer it watching this movie.
1: It does, right? It makes me want to be a better f- movie watcher. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It makes me want to be a better movie Like If I could put out a screenplay mm-hmm. a quarter as as good as right. any of the first eight films we were talking about, I would die happy. Yep. I would be like, I touched the hem of Coen Brothers' greatness. Right. That's all I need out of my life. Um, but we're here to talk about the man himself. Nicholas Cage. Cage. That's why we're here, isn't it? It kind of is. Um, it, we're going to end up just talking about how amazing this movie is, but right. let's really quick acknowledge. Um, we've seen four movies, four of Nicolas Cage's yep. movies this month. This is by far his best performance.
1: Uh, not only in the four that we've this seen. This might be his best performance his best in his whole career. Period. Do you think? I think so. I think so I as well. I was thinking Moonstruck maybe. No, I think this. It's, it's like this. he's built for this. Right, and it's not like. It's not Nick Cage doing a Nick Cage thing. No, he is high. Weird about it. Yeah, he becomes.
0: It's. I used to say all the time when I would recommend this movie to people, I would say like it. It's. It's. You know, in in the way that Keanu Reeves was meant to be in Bill and Ted. Right. You know, like oh, that was him, dude. That was him. This is not Nick Cage. This is a character. This is not Nick Cage being Nick Cage. This is Nick Cage like delivering. A stunningly seamless, perfect performance with tons of tiny little touches that you don't notice until you watch the movie thirty times.
1: Right. You and or it? when you watch it for a podcast, when God bless him. <laughs> when his when his buddies show up and, and Ed is pissed because right, they're right, right. there. And she's giving him shit and she goes back to the bedroom and they're like, oh, I guess we see who wears the pants in this relationship. And Nicolas Cage gives him this little wink. I I was almost like, was that intentional? Was it a thing that, like, that's it. That's the wink. But it's not like a, eh, we got you. It's this weird, subtle, like, eh, I've got this. We don't even know what it means because when
0: he goes to bed, he immediately becomes hang dog high again. Where she's like, are they gone? And he's like,
1: well, it's raining They right. got
0: nowhere to be You know But yeah. when When Goodman's like There's there's weird Levels To the performance As high Because uh, Like I wrote down When he writes his letter To her in the end When he's leaving Yeah His eloquence And his The Like the 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 diction that he's able to grab his vocabulary and his eloquence it raises
1: to it rises to the occasion of of what he is trying to communicate and that's beautiful that
0: letter that we hear matches that eloquence in the voiceover Mm -hmm. so like his internal life he comes across a lot of the movie as like oh my god kind of like right there he seems like a simple guy But when we hear that letter, when we hear that, oh my God, she's going to pull the power cord. She really needs to go. I'm going to do this. But he, he has... Like his character has like another level. And I think part of that's what that wink is. I was trying to unpack it. I've always yeah, like, loved it because it's, it's a like, fun little like left eye wink. And he seems, he his posture, he's like a thoughtful, he's in the posture of a mm-hmm. thoughtful man, but he's in a trailer right. in like a cut off waffle weave shirt.
1: This is the thing about High. Mm-hmm. And this just from watching it this last time is like he is a thoughtful person. Person, he's a sweetheart actually he's a hopeless romantic he just doesn't have the the vocabulary the intelligence to verbally communicate that and he's (laughs) he's just such a goofball he but he really is in the most like endearing sort of way like he is he is a cartoon character he's a cartoon version of what that character would be and part of it's the writing. If this bo- wasn't a Cohen brothers movie, right? Like,
0: I don't think it would be the same. It wouldn't be. It would be
1: My Name Is Earl.
0: Yeah, it would come across as My Name Is Earl. You wouldn't have the weird heart, right. That's in this movie. Like the joke when he's uh, proposing to mm-hmm. Ed in the pre credit sequence, um, the before the opening titles, and he's like, his delivery. It's 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 a w- amazing performance mm-hmm. because it vacillates between like really like loud and it and charming. He has like th- several modes where he'll be like, "Well, you know, I think tell him. My god, like tell him that I think he's a damn fool." That whole mm-hmm. speech as he he like builds up and builds up. Um he can be menacing, but when he delivers that line, uh the the joke to Ed when he's proposing, he goes, "Hey Ed, did you hear the one about the paddy wagon or the cement mixer collided with the paddy wagon? Twelve hardened criminals escaped. There's no variation no between variation, the right. joke and the punchline. <laughs> and she like kinda chuckles and you get the sense that he's um he, he's telling that joke As a, like an icebreaker for a proposal, for, for, for a proposal And yeah. he's nervous as shit And he's like a total sweetheart he, he's, And
1: he's proposing to her in the lineup like, Yeah she's fingerprinting, he's, he's fingerprinting she's fingerprinting him She's
0: fingerprinting him and he puts his fingerprint Hand over her hand and slips A <laughs> ring on her finger It's so- it's so fun and so sweet and weirdly endearing
1: um but there's a uh there's a darkness to hide too though which is a lot of fun to explore which i think is our friend the uh mad max biker dude how do you mean his darkness well i'd well he is a repeat offender yeah
0: okay then right okay then okay then you're not just telling us what you want to hear are <laughs> right. you Maybe no he, sir no I think that, way not
1: that he is dark that he is afraid uh, that he is a bad person uh-huh. because he has his wife now and then they, they eventually they kidnap they a kidnap baby a for baby. Christ's sake it's the
0: premise of the film right? yeah.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I think that he he's afraid that he is a bad person when it's clear he's clearly not a bad person but when he has that dream about he dreams about the biker before the biker arrives and so that brings up some question whether or not he actually exists and he does but it's like a manifestation of his with the Evil Dead 2 shot Evil Dead one shot. Is it one? Yeah. Joel Cohen
0: was an assistant editor on Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. I heard that in the Evil Dead commentary. Not yeah, not this (laughs) film. I was watching that, and uh, they they say it in the commentary for like the twentieth anniversary. They're like, you'll see that you actually see this uh, an exact homage to that shot in Raising Arizona, and I was like, I
1: love that. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, but. And do you know how they do that shot?
1: Oh, yeah, it's a plank. It's a plank with the or camera people, in the middle, on and they side. run, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, brilliant. it's so simple, right? But it but looks so as cool, as yeah. especially
0: if you put the right score behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I I, uh, I had read in an interview with the Coen brothers that that character, the, the bounty hunter, yeah. Leonard Smalls, I absolutely loved his character when I was a kid, because I was like, he rides a motorcycle, and he's got right. shotguns. You he's know? got like,
1: grenades and little baby shoes.
0: The baby shoes are awesome. But he... Uh, His character, the way that they wrote him, is they sat down in their writer's room together, their writer's room, probably the apartment they shared. And they were they sat down and they were like, Okay, we would need a bad guy, and they knew they needed a bad guy character, but rather than make him up, they were like, What would High imagine to be pure evil? So they they wrote him from High's brain. That's why when Holly Hunter's like, What is that? Uh, he goes do you see him too yeah because it's his it's his his fantasy of evil it's it's straight out of high's head
1: that is so meta such clever writers. holy shit such (laughs) clever writers um so in truth he did manifest well that character in a very real way because the the commons wrote him from high from high's
0: brain right
1: so outside so many layers outside
0: the film He is fictional, created from High's brain, Um, but inside the film, he is real. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all sorts of strange layers. I love that so much. (laughs) I know it's such a cool writer's (laughs) trick, but I do. You do see moments of darkness in High. Mm -hmm. Like I, I wrote down um, one of my notes. That's what I love about these shows. When we sit down to record, I have five pages of notes. I'll never read all of these, but knowing that they're there somewhere. um, The shot when Glenn is talking about swinging, and he's like, I think your wife's real sexy or whatever, Um, and and he punches him. That low angle shot up past Glenn, and Nick Cage is in the background, kind of like walking into the foreground, he is so fucking menacing. He's not a big dude, but the way that he's carrying himself. like that. And then
1: he's like, don't you ever talk about my wife, or whatever he he says. says.
0: He says, keep your goddamn hands off my wife. And then... The way he says it is like every note is like a like a hammer in the mm-hmm. sand almost. It's like that dull thudding delivery of dialogue. And then Glenn is running away and he's like, You're crazy. Yep. You're crazy, man. I pity you. And Nick Cage like barely raises his voice, but he goes, Keep your goddamn hands off my wife. And I don't know if you noticed, but there's a character tick that he does again and again. With his where, eyes No, closing? his right hand. Oh. His right hand he'll straighten his fingers and hold it well, I mean if it was down at his side right. he like bends his wrist and straightens his fingers like this oh, that's he really does it like four times in the movie so it's not incidental later when John Goodman and William Forsyth, and their names are like Ed and Gary or whatever. Right. But anyway, when those two guys steal Nathan Jr. The and two adult babies. Right. His hand drops down to his side and the fingers splay and he goes, what are you guys doing? It's like... Oh, that's he's, weird. It's like he's reaching for a gun almost. Yeah. But, it's, but he does it right after he punches Glenn, too. It his hand splays f- 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 out. It's cr- it's super crazy. He Idle does it when hands he, the devil's playground. I don't know what it is. Mm. I don't know. He was a... Both he and the Coen brothers have talked about how they occasionally butted heads, but have right. they had a lot of respect for each other during filming. It's because
1: Nick Cage wanted to play a bit, and they're like, no, we've got it.
0: Well, yeah, they tried to rein him hard in right. and he made lots of suggestions. So he was like, I want to go crazy. And they're like, we got to lock you down. And what we actually end up seeing is a, some mix of the a two. middle ground there. Yeah. And both Cohen brothers have said that they would rather work with people like him who have a fertile imagination oh, th- uh, yeah. rather than have to
1: try and like find something, wake yeah. up the
0: performance. Every
1: director that I've ever worked for is like. I want to be able to say you need to bring that down from eleven to three. Give me too much, or, and or have enough. I'll let you know when it's too much.
0: Yeah, flat is worse. Than I think big most every directors
1: time. would prefer that rather than than somebody that doesn't have anything they're going to bring to it. Right, which is great that you know. Seeing where Nick Cage's career has gone after this movie, where he starts playing Nick Cage, that right, that this isn't that we have this you know performance what? that was him being uh, directed i guess you I could
0: think say. yeah i think in a weird way there are there are certain actors like i immediately think of like tom hardy or mm-hmm. michael Fassbender. their instincts are for a certain type of performance and you get the uh, you get the sense that the director's really don't have to like come in and be like now tom you were a little flat you, you know right. you imagine <laughs> the director's just sitting there and they're like holy fucking shit tom yeah, hardy's bringing, amazing yeah, yeah. but then you there are other Actors who are amazing actors, Mm -hmm. super super strong actors, like Nicolas Cage, who just what they really need is some a strong like a strong director who can shape can direct uh, them. Well, not even direct necessarily, but he's exploding in so many directions. You just need to build like director who can build certain walls,
1: walls? right, Right. and
0: direct the performance because he's um, he's stunningly good in this. Yeah. He's, I think he's good in Valley Girl. I think that he he's really young, so he maybe was a little bit more subdued. Right. But he's awesome in Kiss of Death. And you get yeah. the sense that he's like really swinging for it. And the director, you can, you know, the director was like a couple times was like, okay, we're going to just, just bring a little him a little bit down.
1: Junior's a little too, mm, yeah.
0: If you could get, because Nicolas Cage now, you know, that a, a script hits his desk and it's like the witch killer man. And he's like, right. yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I've got if, five days. Literally, if you could get, like, for fucking—I'm not even joking around. I'm deadly serious. Put Nick Cage in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, and stop you, it. You'd,
1: you'd get. I've gold. had that thought before. I'm you'd like, yeah, get
0: fucking gold, because Nick Cage would be like flying, going insane. But if you could just keep him from walking off set, right? And because Quen- you know Quentin Tarantino is a strong vision. Actually, you know what? Put. Nick Cage with any director of strong vision. Mm-hmm. Like when you there are yeah like Tarantino, you yeah. know a Tarantino movie when you see it. Cohen brothers. Honestly even um like uh Paul Thomas Anderson or Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson is wacky and crazy but he has a vision in mind and he's gonna shape it. He's gonna shape it. A it. Yeah. performance. Yeah. Put him with a strong director and Nick Cage is a list talent every time but he just doesn't get the chance anymore and
1: Damn, it we talked sucks. about this on the last episode we did. too. It's like he could, I want him to have his probably iron man yeah he's gonna
0: work he's gonna work forever but he could be doing he could be doing so much more if you put him with the right people he's i what we need is to become directors Uh, because we have some weird amount uh, of respect for him (laughs)
1: seriously though
0: get us a big budget movie and we'll uh we'll we'll cast nick cage in it (laughs) and (laughs) we'll we'll be the type of director who can occasionally tell him no but also encourages him to explore yeah absolutely Fucking a man. I mean, even in movies where he's too big, like Matchstick Men, mm-hmm. there's
1: a lot of shape. But then to that's that another. That's another very um, specific director. The the uh, Ridley you, Scott. Is that is yeah, that a Ridley Scott it's Ridley film? Scott. Well, there
0: you go. I didn't know that was yeah. a Ridley Scott film, but that proves, <laughs> that my, proves my point your right point. there. Perfectly. Give him yeah. to an auteur, yeah. and the auteur will just take care of it. Fucking shit. He's so good. Um, that tick. The 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 hand. coincides with another acting tick that elevates as the 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 situation gets worse and worse for him. His squinty eye. His squinty eye. The right eye clamps down more and more to the point where Is he
1: like preventing a stroke the whole time?
0: No, I think it's (laughs) I think it's like a it's like an unconscious
1: like a tick. His
0: he has a weird I've loved talking about this. Here we go. His Micro facial expressions, Mm -hmm. his facial control. Are you thinking of the same thing I'm thinking of? The reaction shot when Holly Hunter tells him that they're breaking up, and his face, his his feature, that he goes blank. Yep, his every line on his face flattens out. His brain
1: went to reset mode, like we talked about before. It's beautiful as an acting moment. It literally goosebumps right now, and when I watched it, I know I have. I literally (laughs) have goosebumps
0: too. And there's a few parts in this movie where usually I watch it. My heart
1: broke with high. Did you,
0: okay, did you like, cry at, there's two lines where I got teary-eyed, and I want to know if they hit you as hard. Um, uh, By the way, no slouch Holly Hunter. She no, is, seriously.
1: Holy yeah, I don't think you get shit. high without Ed. I mean, it, it's...
0: And again, I think we said it at the beginning, but I don't think, I think this is another movie where there's no weak spots. There's no, no weak performance. Well,
1: and this character was specifically written for... For Holly Hunter, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, I'd heard that.
0: But um, it's the line when they're driving to go get to go and get Nathan back from William Forsyth and John uh, Goodman. And she's, she's crying really quietly. Uh, and she goes, um, if I'm as bad as you are and he jokes he's like you're not that bad and she goes she just doesn't she's overrides his yep. humor and she says if I'm as bad as you what good are we to each other you and me is just a fool's paradise yeah
1: did you cry uh, I teared the my, fuck up my man. stomach went into a into a knot oh god because you know <sighs> Well, been there. It's like
0: (laughs) (laughs) that. That line, you and me, is just a fool's paradise. Because she even says, like a second earlier, like, um, uh, uh, I guess I still love you.
1: Yeah. And then to like seconds later, moments later, to have that said, it's just like, they. Let's jump. I know it's Nick Cage month, but let's jump to the Corn
0: Brothers, sure. Really quick. Go ahead. No, you Uh, have something.
1: So yeah, it's with the performances. Like you, you meant, so. There's the over-the-top acting, and then but these these moments of real truth and earnest, uh, and earnest performances. Like when Holly Hunter cries the first time, she's like, "I love him so much." That's my oh my it's god! It's the most crazy, ridiculous <laughs> shit. But then you have these real moments where they're actually. Real people having real emotions instead of cartoon in the, characters. Yeah,
0: the, the cop car is one of
1: the realest. And also uh, Nathan Sr. when they return. Oh, shit. His, when, he's when, he's when he's talking about. about Florence. The, about the, oh, my God. I'm still in love with her. Yeah, well, I, I it, hate to see what. Uh, I'd I hate, hate to, to think
0: about Florence leaving me. And then he pauses yeah. and he looks at the carpet and they are not even in the room to him. And he nope, goes,
1: he's just thinking about
0: her. The line deliveries, he goes, I do. Love her so, oh,
1: yes, and oh my that's, god, I, I showstopper! Well, I, I choked up then. That's a
0: goddamn showstopper,
1: man. Because that's how I feel about a particular person in my life. But anyways, <laughs> there's,
0: uh, there's, there's, there's. B- Be oh wait, I really want to hit Cohen oh, Brothers. Yeah. Really Cohen Brothers,
1: yes, right. We um, can because I have some other things to say about uh, just in general. They, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna talk about their writing.
0: Because the way they structure their films, yep. you could do a four-hour podcast just about how they build a film.
1: You I need to watch this movie a thousand more times just to log all of the fucking camera shots. If and we ever do,
0: <sighs> if we ever do, fucking Barton Fink, we are going to mm-hmm. talk. That is going to be an episode, man. Yeah. But there's my favorite Coen Brothers line of all time is in Barton Fink, and it's not even a line that's said by a character. It's in the script that Fink is writing. They have, because remember, it's all about a screenwriter, or he's a playwright, and they bring him out to write a wrestling picture, and they just want like some dumb, like... It's the Jesus, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, John Turturro, Mm -hmm. who's also in Miller's Crossing, another Coen Brothers darling, and great in all their movies. So fucking good. Mind-blowing, right? So good. John Turturro month. Do Secret Window. A lot of people hate that movie, but I I think he's great. I love that movie! (laughs) Jesus Carl, we're I know, we just got to watch everything. Peanut every butter and jelly, man. I know. <laughs> but uh the Cohen brothers have a certain they are film nerds. Yeah. In the they're film nerds the way Tarantino is a film and nerd. way
1: Sam Raimi is a film nerd The way nerd Jim too.
0: Jarmusch is a film yes. nerd. They know Hollywood. They know movies because they ha- they do this thing. They have a thing in their films where they structure a scene that is uniquely theirs, but it reminds you of a hundred other films just better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miller's Crossing, when John Turturro hits his knees and is begging for his life in the woods. You, it's Goodfellas, but it's not. It's the Coen brothers, right. and it's better in some ways than anything you've That's seen.
1: That's one of the widest shots in the movie too yeah they pulled way back you their can see, use um, of cinematography is insane gabriel, whatever his name is that was a peter gabriel that's, oh
0: yeah when peter gabriel peter, peter gabriel peter weller when right. robocop, when robocop walks. Comes. no but the there's the line in i'll never forget it mm-hmm. I, it's barton fink yeah in barton fink this line is stuck with me forever and this movie has a hundred lines like it but he's typing this wrestling movie and it's john tortoro I think it's John Turturro who reads the line I, in my head. He mm-hmm. reads it, but we might just see it on the page. But um, he he realizes that he can write. He's basically his wrestling picture is Raging Bull. He's writing a boxing movie that's like full of drama, and it's actually about the life of a wrestler rather than like we're in the ring. Let's right. make an exploitation movie. And the line is the the girl, the wrestler's girlfriend, to the wrestler, and she says, "If you were any kind of a man, you'd hit me." And every time I hear that line, I'm like, that is, it's not, it's, it's a Coen brothers line, but it's straight fucking out of like the Humphrey Bogart era of filmmaking. Right. Oh yeah.
1: It's, yeah. It's that 1940s sort of. It life. is
0: so perfectly encapsulates the movie that he's writing. You don't even see any of the other script. You hear that and you're like, I know exactly, exactly the what movie he's that he's writing. It's so, they, they do that so well. They drop one bomb in your ear. Like in this movie, there's a direct pull from Night of the Hunter, which is this awesome art house film. Did you catch it? Yeah, well. The the My favorite line from the movie is secretly an homage to Night of the Hunter when he goes, he was especially hard it's, he goes, it's a hard world for little things. It's after he has his Nightmare of the Bounty Hunter and looks out the window. The line from Night of the Hunter is um, it's a hard sort of world for the little things.
1: Okay, No, the, that reaction was my mind like blowing because <laughs> I didn't catch it until... <laughs> I mean, they. Ouch, that hurt. They know their cinema. Yeah. And they. Yeah, they. Oh, God. And it's not. Plagiarizing, it's, no, and I think sometimes I mean nowadays everything is an homage, so you can like gives you license to get away with shit, right? But this is the true, the truest sense of an homage, right? Whereas they are tipping their cap, they're they're doing the snow, the slow nod and wink to their to where they came from and why they have a love for for cinema yes. and for making
0: movies. A lot of people steal there are a few directors who can genuinely we've talked about uh, we talked about during western month mm-hmm. Tarantino Tarantino right. does an homage better he's, than anybody He's
1: ripping from like like we said before like from Sergio Leone from 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 Harrison Ford Harrison <laughs> from, Ford, from Harrison
0: Ford. <laughs> No but that like the from the Ford, the, but the yeah. shot from the searchers yep. in appearing in kill bill in mm-hmm. reverse is yep there's it's shit like that like that's an homage jim jarmusch does it in um uh, ghost dog the 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 guy who gets oh, the
1: way of the samurai the
0: yeah ghost dog way was, of the samurai
1: that's Whitaker. That's, that's
0: jim jarmusch holy shit yeah so when he when he has that guy get killed through the drain mm-hmm. that's an homage to a french film called i can't remember it's like a crime noir french film um from the '40s, oh, and wow. he took that directly from that film. And we see the Coen Brothers do it again and again. They reference, uh, you know, Night of the Hunter in this. They're referencing. Um, they reference like Bogart movies in in Barton Fink because right because he's right. And uh, the Leonard Small's name is taken from Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Lenny Lenny Small's is his name in that. But I mean, uh, tell me about the bunnies again. They're so smart these <laughs> boys. Um. I love, and I love the little touches in this movie too. Like for example, when, when, uh, when high and Ed are getting married, when she's putting her dress on, you don't even notice it. If you're not, if you haven't seen the movie a bunch, cause you're looking at her and her dress, but behind her on the wall are four
1: shotguns. Oh no, I noticed that. And is yeah, like, Oh, she's got a nice gun rack. There's like, shot. Nice rack lady. Exactly, like, there's
0: <laughs> shotguns on the wall. Yeah. As she's getting As she's getting ready to go to work, there's little tiny performance touches. Like not uh, like John Goodman when he's, when, uh, him and. John Goodman and William Forsythe Forsyth. characters, when they're eating um, the breakfast, and they're asking so her why she's not- So sloppily
1: eating breakfast, no, 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 and, and John Goodman's smoking a cigarette, the wettest cigarette I've ever well, seen.
0: Well, he's chewing and breathing smoke out of his mouth as he chews cereal. S- yeah, cereal,
1: dropping half the cereal back into the bowl.
0: I realized, some, I realized a couple things today, which- I will fess up here and nowhere else when I shot this movie Marlin I thought that all the performances were like really unique and stuff. I was totally fucking wrong. I lifted. I was giving direction to one of my actors who eats cereal, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Make it grosser, like chew louder." I, I seeing John Goodman, I basically led him it, to be John to be Goodman. John
1: Goodman, and, yeah. and there's
0: a bit where the main character eats a, a snack cake and takes a huge puff off a cigar and chews with a mouthful of cake and smoke, so smoke and cake is falling out of his mouth, and that's fucking that's John Goodman right, yeah. in that scene too. <laughs> I takes I re, watching the movie, I'm like, "Holy shit!" I, I totally a lot of this. That from... Well, it was like in the deep parts of oh, my it's brain part of your and it came DNA
1: out in it came out There's
0: way more in this movie that I ended up like putting into my film later. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh boy.
1: <laughs> Get a good
0: lawyer before I write this." Right, seriously. No, but there's um there's stuff like when Leonard Small leans down to pick up the Dr. Spock's baby manual mm-hmm. or no he leans down to pick up uh, that the newspaper article about the bank and he looks up and we stay on his eyes for like 15 seconds as he just like deadpan deadly serious stares into the camera and then we cut to the reverse and it's the word fart on the <laughs> wall. <laughs> 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 like there's that's a yeah, genius, genius moment. <laughs> yes, it is. And they don't, it's, you know, like a weaker filmmaker would have put in like, burr, 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 or something. Well, right. It's just silent. Just silent. And then you yeah. just hear like the creaking, broken like boards as he yeah. walks out. But they, and they don't. They're, just they're, fart. <laughs> he just looks up at fart. <laughs> and you're like, wow. Wow. And you laugh and then you're like, you feel like you shouldn't laugh because it's so
1: serious.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. I think that in the early scene, one of the other things that um, I wrote down was this is one of my favorite, this movie has one of my favorite fight scenes ever. And it's John Goodman and Nicolas Cage when they're fighting in the, and they trash
1: the whole. Oh, the whole thing gets tore up he gets thrown through a wall there's <laughs> but the
0: the choreography he he gets Nick Cage he throws Nick Cage into a corner which is a wall in a cabinet and the cabinet cracks and he grabs Nick Cage and his arm goes back and he shatters a window <laughs> And he when he turns his head to shatter because he shattered the window and he's startled by it, Nick Cage moves his head slightly and then he punches through the cabinet, but he had to like reach back to grab, to the, grab the to get his arm out of the window. So now his arm is stuck in two places. <laughs> and Nick Cage jumps on his back and his arm comes out with like a paint stir stick and he's beating Nick Cage. It's like brilliant. It's high slapstick yep. is what it Again, is.
1: It's a, it's a live action Looney Tunes cartoon, man. It's Oh, but it, and it
0: plays so well. And normally, normally I don't, I don't, there are, there are small acting moments. Uh, Mm. We've, we talked about, uh, like last episode or the episode before having business.
1: Yeah. Having things to do, right. Props to use
0: and whatnot. Yeah. That's when you do it well, that's always to me a sign of like a pro. Right. Like someone when you see someone tying a tie in a movie, you
1: have and to And rem- they're delivering dialogue at the same time. You have to remember they're incredibly fantastic actors. Fucking to it and to
0: get it the right length. Um I saw I saw a a, a play once where a character, uh, well one of the actors on stage tied a tie and was delivering dialogue and he tied it too short. And pulled it apart and was delivering the dialogue and the second time he pulled it tight and delivered the last line And I realized that wasn't a mistake. He had to tie it wrong the first time then tie it correctly the second time double Windsor in and and Pace his performance so that the punctuating line was the knot on a correctly tied tie That's hard. I would have to to turn that part down yeah, that is actually genuinely hard to do. Yeah. So like watching good business in movies, I'm always just like, well done. And sir. in in this one, there's two, there's two little bits of business that I love. One is, um, Francis McDermott putting,
1: Oh, the mustard, the mustard on the, the white bread.
0: Tent. That is the best, dude. That's the funniest line I've ever heard. I watched that line four times. Um, I wrote it down exactly, too. It made me laugh.
1: Oh, so please
0: find it. Cause that's one of my
1: favorite parts of the movies when she's talking about getting the dip tet. Getting the dip tet. Have we, have we done that yet? Hi, have we done that yet?
0: <laughs> well, she says, um, Shit, where are you? I know I wrote you down. Uh, uh, well, you got your dip uh, diphtheria, tetanus, they, what they call the dip tet. You got to get them dip tet boosters yearly or they'll develop lockjaw night vision. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the thing that makes it even more funny is like Lockjaw night hi- vision. Night vision and the fact that High is just sitting there like whatever and Holly Hunter's like, Have we done that yet? Hi, I don't know if we've done that. Have we done that yet, hi? <laughs> she's so she's so frantic and yeah. and hi's
0: sitting there and he's holding his plastic cutlery. Yep and he's getting hit in the face with jello there's a kid with a huge eye patch on like she poked her eye out or something right
1: it's never explained no, no. I,
0: there's so much with those kids that's never explained I love it. but there's this little girl sitting on the table with a fucking not a little eye patch a like huge she's got like, eye a, patch. like a like a like red badge of courage civil war <laughs> eye patch on her face and she's grabbing this giant like bunt cake shaped jello cake and she's just hurling handfuls of cake into Nicholas his face <laughs> And he doesn't react Doesn't even flinch the, the first time he just like takes it in the face yep. And looks like weirdly confused As to why he's been hit with jello And the second time you see him flinch When her arm goes You don't see her right. But you see, you him, see him flinch, him flinch right. And then the jello hits his face And the, the, what I, the other thing about that scene That I love so much Is th- it's Arizona And the rest of the movie is really bright and sunny But it's right. overcast that day So everything is kind of shadowy And it's the color palettes Muted without doing that bullshit Like everything's cold like Cold color palette desaturated It's It's not desaturated it's just Muted like the world looks gray And dead and they're sitting with Like their like paper plates and plastic Forks and white bread and mustard And then you remember This is a guy who for the last 20 years of his life has stuck up Convenience stores and been in and out of prison And here he is with like his plastic sandal on those shoes those like you know his like um what are they like they're uh there's a name for him but i can't remember like his slip-on shoes and his and his short shorts and he's like outside his trailer and you see in that scene you see him like oh oh wow i bit off more than i can chew you're like he's like i'm you get the sense that he feels like dead inside and then he has the speech with glenn where he's like do you ever feel like there's a storm coming and there literally is there literally in the is a sky storm right behind them. Yes. The weather is in the dialogue. You're like, oh wow, this is this and is And then filmmaking. he punches the
1: man who is his boss and loses his job right. and has to then try and rob a convenience store again. Lockjaw night, lock night Vision Lockjaw <laughs> Otherwise they get Lockjaw Night Vision <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're just like when I I don't think I've ever heard the Night Vision
1: portion no, Of that because it's, it's I had to go back and listen to it you, I'm like did she say Night Vision Did she say
0: Night Vision you go like running along Like the dip shot and the point of the scene Is Holly Hunter's like did we get you life insurance Oh did we get, we get, oh, did we get her, her? Yeah. We've got to get him his dip tet hi? You know like it's her that we're right. supposed to be Listening to but when you watch the movie so many times then you you go back and you're like lockjaw night vision what in the <laughs> fuck um and when she uh francis mcdermott i i saw it this time someone had pointed it out to me but i hadn't watched it since then but i think my dad pointed out last time we watched it he's like oh um holly hunter's trying not to laugh right here you can tell and it's when francis mcdermott goes um, uh, I can't remember which, which of her Biblical children right. it is but it's like Job you take that diaper off your head and put it back On your and sister back and her voice sister. goes Down like to like this throaty Roar and you can see Holly Hunter jump because Francis McDermott screams so loud in her ear Dot is the character's name And then for the rest of her yelling Holly Hunter puts her hand up and hides A smile and I saw it this time because I Knew to look for it but like that whole scene is Hysterically fucking funny
1: And that's the only time they're in that for so little Uh yeah Like they're they're in and they're out
0: They're um (laughs) They're the bit that they're in okay I lied when I said earlier that my favorite line In this movie was um Whatever I said it was, it wasn't true because my actual <laughs> it's the favorite line. No, that oh. is my second favorite. My first favorite line is when he and Glenn are in the kitchen. Oh. oh, kids, get away from Mr. Uh, what's his? Uh, get away from Mr. McDonough's car. And they just cut, cut to a static shot of just, five kids just beating the shit out of a car.
1: That's funny because you don't hear them and you don't hear the kids hitting the car. It's no, just, that's, that's what right, makes, it makes it, funny. it so funny.
0: It's like a normal scene, normal scene, and then it cuts to them and you hear like, ah,
1: bang, bang, beating bang. the shit out of crawling all over the car.
0: And it's a throwaway thing too. Yep. It's like a three second shot. It's just kids beating a car with bats and like keying it with rocks and shit it's just and then we see them and they're in his house and you're like oh they're this way everywhere
1: everywhere they're writing on the wall they're taking their clothes off that kid
0: that kid who's walking through with his little bat and he's just, just hitting everything walls and then he holds his hands as he goes give me candy and his dad gives him candy and he just, just throws, throws it, it at across him the room. <laughs>
1: it's like did his dad just throw candy at him well yes, no the kid did. throws it oh the kid the, oh well, the
0: kid does it first he comes up and he's like candy and his dad gives him a bunch of peanuts or whatever oh and then right 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 the right, right, kid right doesn't right. eat them. he just he whips them right at the right. wall <laughs> and keeps moving and you're like holy shit <laughs> and then gl- they have the little conversation where, <laughs> where glenn's like yeah me and dad been trying to adopt on account of something's wrong with my <laughs> semen <laughs> Brief, brief, <laughs> brief. Performance note: Nicholas Cage is halfway through a swig of beer when yes. he says that, and at the word semen, his like distaste. it's right. It's not like it's like he's drinking it's, semen. It's not a spit take. Right. But you, yes, exactly. He's like, um oh, mm. didn't want to hear that when I was Mom drinking, drinking a beer. Right. right. Exactly, and it, that's exactly. It's yeah. so you don't often see. Subtle excellent acting With Nick Cage oh, I w- It's
1: all over this movie
0: It's everything just he does not over N- this movie Nice little touches And right there And then Of course Glenn hits He tags back on that line Like five <laughs> yep. times Like he forgot he told him And he's just like uh, That reminds me That's his That's like Oh that yeah That's like his Tag back to yep. say new oh, stuff Oh that reminds me Anyway how'd you get that kid so fast Dot and I can't have anymore On count of something's wrong With And <laughs> He says it again he, I think he says it three times In that scene But uh he goes. We went to the. We went to the adoption agency. This is my favorite line. He goes. He we went to the adoption agency and they're like, F- it's a five year wait for a healthy white baby boy. And I said, healthy white baby, five years. Okay, what else you got? And they say, we got two Koreans and a Negro born with his heart on the outside. It's a crazy world. <laughs> that is the best line in this fucking movie. Oh my god. And. We have not given that guy credit because he's not no. in much of the movie. But, dude, Glenn is fucking hysterically yeah. funny. He's he is the most cartoonishly sleazy yet realistic person. Right. It's so, ever
1: seen. it's so like how to like marry those two ideas together. It's his and,
0: eyes, yeah, he he like his eyes always look like they're like
1: he, he's like he's half drunk the whole time, but not inebriated it's the weirdest thing
0: i was gonna say it's like he took half a xanax before the scene but it's not
1: he's he's just hitting the
0: right like he's in the early stages of like the xanax loopy or whatever but i think it's almost more like if you've ever been to a backyard barbecue Mm -hmm. in the up there's like a four beer moment before you're dr- trash, right but where you're like yeah i don't know man my wife's been kind of crazy lately and who i was telling you the other it's like that right. he's like right there he's like just halfway through the fourth beer starting to f- his it's eyes starting to it just, yeah it's such a it's dumb it seems dumb to be like he's such a douche his eyes but it's his eyes yeah that fucking actor gets the like sl- like the my the drunk, eyelid,
1: slow weird blank. Thing. The
0: eyelids are too heavy to keep open thing, and it makes the character. Yep. Hey, watch this! Hit the deck, boy! <laughs> <laughs> Grabs a bunch of peanuts and hucks them in his face. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah.
1: the part I was thinking of. Look, like, <laughs> I know he throws food at his kid.
0: <laughs> it's fucking amazing, and the, it's the um, yeah. Uh, uh, What's his uh, It's like Jedediah All the kids They have all have biblical names, names. He's just like Yeah Jedediah's clever He knows his ABCs And that's the kid Who's drawing fart, fart on, on the wall, wall. <laughs> And then the, you hear A plate shatter And he, he just like Turns and like His weird drunk Uncle dad Wayne he goes Mind you don't Cut yourself cat <laughs> And he laughs it, Dude Every scene With Glenn and Dot Is just The gold <laughs> Golden Oh He's just an angel from heaven. The performances are their performances are so big, but they stay consistently big. Yeah, they're big. consistent. And Nick Cage and and Holly Hunter, who they have their like big moments and yeah. small moments, and they are both so subdued. subdued. Yeah, it's in a the weirdest face. thing. Yeah, that's I think that's He's why over they, the
1: top cartoon characters have become subdued. In the wake of these
0: in the face of you know, this storm, yeah. this rage of hum- Like, oh who the God. fuck
1: are these people?
0: They're <laughs> they're
1: so overwhelming. You know why? It's because uh, he is a manager in the Hudsucker uh company. In the H- Oh yeah, I saw, I, yeah.
0: I saw it on his on Cage's it's a, suit. It's on a suit, yeah. Yeah, the, the Hudsucker plant, and right. I was like, Oh shit, it's like Quentin Tarantino's red apple cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. They pop up from place to place or or Kevin Smith's coffin nails yeah his his brand of smokes but um when there's in the aftermath of that like gigantic performance from from dot and and Glenn (laughs) the drive home when uh, you know Holly Hunter's like you know our first our first day out with decent people you break his nose that ain't too funny hi and think I can't I can't just keep diverting myself right like the the cadence of line delivery in this movie is amazing like she when you when you write the lines out because mm-hmm. I I've been writing writing down This is almost like
1: it's it's a it's a style of like iambic pentameter almost it's a there's a rhythm to it
0: There's a rhythm to the lines, but it's also it's also the performances because when you when I write the lines down I write them down. I'm an english major. So I write right. the line down I put the punctuation in the correct spot I put my periods where the periods go and because you can hear how the line right, is, yeah. but when you listen to him say it It's not how they say it at all there's like There's weird pauses Where there might Not be pauses In mm-hmm. the writing And then there are like Just blow straight Through the periods Like in Holly Hunter's line Right there Where she's like Our first day out With decent people You break his nose That ain't too funny huh? That's, three sentences. That's three sentences And she doesn't even Punctuate it Cause she's so She's mad But quiet mad and he goes. That's how we talk. Isn't his it? kids yeah. thought it was funny, <laughs> which is so funny. But he does a little acting moment there when he goes. He was provoking me, and she goes, "How'd he do that?" And he doesn't look away from. He doesn't turn his head away from the road, but he turns his eyes to her, and he goes, "Never you mind." Mm-hmm. But he's looking at her, and he looks first down at her lap, and then up to her face right. with the side of his eye. It's it's a tiny acting yep. moment, and it's so crystal clear oh i absolutely fucking loved it um when he uh it's it right after that scene because i'm following my notes we're no, actually no. now going through the film chronologically at this That's point which is fun weird for us yeah this is unusual um but when <laughs> does this movie have the best chase scene of all time when he goes to steal the huggies <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is it? The I think, uh, well, the, they have the Blues Brothers, and then you have this. You movie. got the Blues Brothers,
0: and then you've got and Death Ronin. Proof and Ronin. And then raising Arizona's number four. This is my one of my favorite chase scenes ever because it steadily builds yes. to an absurd, absolutely absurd level like level of wacky cartoonishness. Yes. But they they build it in such a way that it doesn't seem unreasonable that it happened. <laughs> it's true, you've, right? You've got like because it's such a slow burn. Right. He goes into the gas station and he goes, i will be, t- <laughs> <laughs> be taking these Huggies and whatever, whatever cash you, you got. You <laughs> just the, the casual he's walking with diapers under his arm panties on his head and a gun and this pimply kid reading jugs behind the counter like is giving him a shit and all he under- <laughs> that son of a bitch
1: oh, that, son that son of, son of
0: a, bitch. a bitch she gets out of the car and we're inside the store and you hear her outside you son of a bitch <laughs> alright hurry up now having some trouble with the wife <laughs> she gets in the car and drives away the kids starts shooting at him. Yep. The cops show up and start shooting at him, mm-hmm. so he takes off on foot. Then a, he jumps into a yard and a big giant like pitbull looking yep. Rottweiler dog comes to attack him but doesn't quite make it. By the way, you know what song is playing during the chase? Wee!
1: <laughs> That's yep.
0: He escapes. The dog pulls its chain. Other dogs start hear that, that dog that, right. and start chasing that dog. So now he's got store uh like the store, kid, store clerk, two cops. Police. And a pack of dogs chasing him. Inexplicably, he runs into another, like a giant grocery store. (laughs) Like a convenience store. Right, yeah. And they play the theme music. But it's, uh, over the loudspeakers, it's like an easy listening.
1: Oh, right. It's it's like an easy listening (laughs) version of of the
0: theme music. And he's like, he goes and gets another pack of Huggies because they've been shot Shot, out of his arms. This is all... Like if you step back from it You're like oh it's all slapstick The entire chase scene Is just like physical comedy Physical comedy Mm -hmm. But when you're in the moment You're like god this is like High art Yeah In a weird way it is But uh, as far as uh, Because we talked earlier About the nuance of Mm -hmm. His performance is high where high does Have a dark side to right, it yes. He's got a hard ass version Of himself but he doesn't let it out Very often and we see it only in flashes We never see him go like Full full Bruce Willis no, or no, no, whatever no. But we when he when he Wants to be intimidating or when he Is in the zone he's Definitely fucking intimidating and the scene I think About is when he's he's walk, he's Running kind of jogging with the Huggies yes under his arm and we've seen the cop shoot a couple times, but he's just got a little pistol, and then all of a sudden, an end cap... Oh, God, I was in retail. Um, a display, a freestanding yep. display at the end of an aisle just explodes. Shotgun. And Nicolas Cage, like, slides to a stop, and he looks up, and he sees the, the like, butcher with a double-barreled shotgun pop the shells out and feed two more in. And there's a, there's a look where... Nicolas Cage like kind of looks at the guy like... Uh, shit. Like, it's it's kind of shit, but it's also kind of like, all right, you've got a shotgun. And he's not freaked out. He's not perturbed. He's a hardened con who's been to prison three times for armed robbery. And he switches the arm that the Huggies are under so he can run better. And he turns, but he keeps his eyes on the guy. He like sk- skids to a stop. I think he's looking this way. And he like... It's it's this tiniest look where it's just like all right, and he turns and starts <laughs> running the other way, and then you get the most comedic action movie shot ever of Nick Cage barreling down a, a, a down an aisle with Huggies under his arm and shotgun shells just blowing
1: bl- everything. He yeah.
0: is bl- just the the fucking entire aisle is just exploding yes. in gunfire, and it's. It looks like something out of like Die Hard or or
1: it does yeah, it became a huge action set piece all of a sudden like
0: <clears throat> For inexplicably it did talk really quick. Say
1: hey, hello. Yeah,
0: it might just be the headphones, but I can hear some crackling Oh, um, but yeah that uh that, that just like action Nicolas Cage movie shot. I love it was amazing And then the like in that scene, the the fact that they only had five million dollars—that
1: is—it blows my mind. That's nineteen eighty-seven money, but it's still not. It's still not like it's big, not budget. big budget
0: at all. Like, they've got like the crazy stunt driving. They've got that guy, Leonard, the guy who plays Leonard Small. I can't remember his actual name, but something Tex something or other. Yeah, Russ Tex something. But he didn't know how to ride a motorcycle before this movie. He crashed one at one point. Unbelievable. But yeah, like, <laughs> like when he, like little moments like, like the, the, the stuntman leaning out of the car. To I'm
1: picking up the baby p- carriage. Up yeah.
0: the, well, picking up the Huggies. Oh, and the Huggies. Later, yeah. when the si- the motorcyclist leans down with his throttle hand, by the by, and snaps a, a baby off of the road and hangs it on his on his handlebars, and then there's literally, I don't know if it's a dummy, but... It has to be. It can't be. You can't just drive around with a baby, a baby on, on your the front handlebars. Hand. No, I mean, clearly. God, the Coen brothers are such savages. Aren't they the... <laughs>
1: Um, we got 15 babies on the shoot. We can we can spare one or two.
0: The uh, I wrote down at one point that the what they managed to do is create a slice of life small dramedy mm-hmm. with moments of undeniably operatic grandness, like the first time we're introduced to the bounty hunter. Nick Cage has a dream mm-hmm. and he's he's doing a voiceover and it's this beautiful poetic language about like, you know, like where he went, you know, the f- like the, the flowers, the grass died behind him. Like it's this b- like four horsemen of the apocalypse voiceover and we hear that score, which, by the way, this movie for 1987 is. It hasn't aged at
1: all. Oh, no. This no, movie
0: no. is not in the slightest bit dated.
1: Nope. He the, mentions Reagan at the very beginning, but that's the only time. There's he really
0: Reagan and then some of the cars are old, but they're not like they're not so old and boxy and weird. Right. And they, they're they distinctive and they fit the characters. It's like the kind of car that like nowadays, like someone from in a trailer park might probably. Sli- yeah. Right. So like this movie doesn't age at all. And you hear I, I always worry about the soundtrack because an 80s soundtrack can really date. Always a film. sounds like an 80s soundtrack. But when we first meet that biker guy, and he's fucking tearing down the, we see flames, Mm -hmm. and then someone just drives through him, and then you hear in the background the music is like. It's, yeah. it's really quiet though It's not like an overpowering score But just underlaying it With a total shift in music To like a classical type thing
1: Almost like O Fortuna But
0: <clears throat> quieter Well he becomes Yeah he becomes yeah. like this Like this grand Like like mythic character from hell Because it's no He's no one long, of the
1: horsemen of the apocalypse like. it,
0: Exactly Because so much of the score is like Oh it's, like, all, it's all that bang, It's tons of bluegrass And then when he dreams All of a sudden we hear Like Wagnerian, Mm -hmm. like like score behind this guy riding a motorcycle through flames, and you're like, holy,
1: straight out of Road
0: Warrior, yeah. This is that in those moments. This is not like a Holly Hunter and Nick Cage play a married. We're Mm -hmm. in a whole different place now. So th- I think that's something they do really well, like uh, Barton Fink, when John Goodman's running down a burning hallway, screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, you know, like we get those big grand moments out of them. Uh, big Lebowski, when Lebowski has his dreams. Dream, or when yeah. we when he walks into the guy's office and he's grieving and we he literally hear like, him, like he's looking in the fire holding cognac and listening to <laughs> opera. It becomes a different film for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where we hear the, the night of the hunter line is when he's uh, he's like you know uh, he was he was especially hard on little things and he shoots
1: he throws a grenade
0: and a rabbit oh, and comes a rabbit, over to you it you can
1: actually see the rabbit flying through the air too <laughs> can you
0: actually yeah. oh <laughs> <Yeah>. my god it's
1: <laughs> like there's a rabbit yeah it's just it,
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ I've never seen the rabbit I'll yep, have to watch it I saw for it, it. I was like
1: oh my god the
0: well, rabbit when he shoot, there is. There's some trick, it's got it's not trick photography. There's like really amazingly done practicals in here. Mm-hmm. Um, especially around the Leonard Small character when he walks into uh unpainted Arizona. Would you buy furniture from unpainted Huff Hines?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you changed your name.
0: <laughs> what was the reason for that? What did the jammies look like? I don't know, no, they were jammies, jammies. <laughs> they had Yodas and
1: shit on them. <laughs>
0: If you haven't guessed by now, this movie is insanely quotable. Yes. Like yes, every line I didn't
1: remember being quotable, but now I'm like, that's up there with Ghostbusters. Just
0: memorize the script and you'll just be blasted blast at parties. But um when he when Leonard Small walks into Unpainted Arizona and they do that that's a, it's a it's a follow shot of his hand as he's walking, and then there's a cigar between his fingers. He doesn't have sleeves.
1: Where'd that cigar come from?
0: I watched three shots in this movie. Frame by frame to try and figure out how they did them. Because this is 1987. Right. This is digital effects at this point are dog shit. So these are not digital effects. Okay. Maybe it's editing. Maybe there's a, a hidden, a hidden cut, cut point here somewhere, but it's a single tracking shot behind him. I went frame by frame. There is no edit. He just has that cigar somewhere on or in his glove or somewhere and it falls perfectly and he catches it between his fingertips. Seamless So when we're watching the movie we're like Jesus it's like magic But even to get that shot That it's actor has to do something that is essentially a, ma- a live magic trick playing to a camera I'm sure it's an angle thing where his hands cut. Sure. and he's holding it but, but still it That's yeah. tricky then he ups the Annie and does it with a match on the other side. Something even smaller. With gloves on. to with, be able- Oh my God. So I'm like, I'm going like frame by frame on the, I, we have the PS3, so I'm like mm-hmm. one frame at a time and I'm like, where does the match come from? Where does the match come from? And you don't see it until the tip of the match is falling between his fingers. It's a perfect just like doop, fall oh between the fingers. God. And then
1: he, there's- Sleight of hand with those- and it's on.
0: and it's right. not a it's not a hidden edit and it's not trick photography. It's he basically did a sleight of hand for a camera and it's seamless. It's that's why those moments stick in your head in right. this movie is because he's really doing that. It's fucking mind-bending and then because they're the coen brothers and you know like fuck the world we're amazing they follow that up with a beautiful macro shot of a match sliding along unpainted furniture oh, the,
1: and it scrapes the God. mars the furniture up
0: and it's, the way uh, the smoke drifts mm-hmm. in that scene it's just you could just like freeze frame
1: that like i just, think about that uh, shot like as i've been Percolating on it all day for some reason him dragging that match head across it's the It's just it, it's amazing. It's something so simple and small like that. Cinematography yeah. porn. Yeah, it is it's what, what it is It's so like I said before I, I could go through and like to catalog every shot in this movie You, you could just it's ridiculous you could
0: just do like a wide of him Gliding the right. match or have him do it on his thumb or some other
1: stayed thing. but no nope
0: they they literally they had to set it up yeah to get just that
1: one second of match it was match. all so super intentional right
0: everything they did is amazing to go back to the chase scene really quick they a lot of it is on the shot on sticks or on tripods. Right. Sticks, the industry term for mm-hmm. tripods. So a lot of it's like shot on tripod or shot from a rig because it's really steady. But then when Nick Cage runs into those people's houses they just have a, you can tell.
1: It's, it's handheld. Just like they someone's just, dragging the camera behind them like, yeah, or they, in front of them. they
0: threw like an 18, it's a wide so they yeah. threw like an 18 on a camera and just had a cameraman like fucking book it through the house with Nick Cage and it feels like an episode of Cops. Yep. Because he's like these narrow corridors and he's Like jumping downstairs, And it just
1: It feels like GoPro before GoPro Almost Like the way it's following It really does
0: That moment is And then we do it with the cop too Mm -hmm. So like the rule of the cinema Is in the house We're doing this follow thing And it creates this weird gonzo feel And it's Every shot is effective For the scene that it's in And it's so well thought out This movie is Amazingly shot and edited The third shot That I watched frame by frame by frame And I I still have no idea how they did it I, I'm assuming it's some sort of device, but the scene in the end, when Leonard Smalls is driving down the alley and Nick Cage smacks him off the car, right, or smacks him Sm- off, off the, the motorcycle, yeah. that is probably a stunt man on a wire, yep. and he ran out of wire and it hauls him off the bike at this moment, and that's how they, you know, faked that. But Nick Cage backs up, you know, like to cover his wife's retreat, and he's got the board like at. Two o'clock. We're looking behind him and Leonard Talking Smalls. Talking about the knife throw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, I so Leonard Smalls is in the background and the board's at like two o'clock, and he turns his head and he moves the board up to noon in front of his face. And in the background, simultaneously, Leonard Smalls has a knife in his hand and throws the knife. And it when the board hits twelve o'clock, the knife explodes through the board, like sticks through the board. Right. I watched that one frame at a time. Smalls does have a knife in his hand at the back of the motion. His hand becomes obscured right here by the board. And at the correct time for the knife to go through the board, the knife goes through the board and when it passes, his hand is down and there's no knife in it. So... Maybe he palms the knife.
1: We've already established that he is is good at sleight of hand,
0: right? So maybe he palms the knife, but the the timing. And I'm sure they shot it several times. Oh, absolutely! But the timing of that knife punching through is like spot on. And we talked about a a, um, a trick shot way to do this, where you already have the knife in the board right, and you do and a you whip pan, right? Right. So, but, ooh, but the board is in the shot the whole time. It's a single shot. It's a single fucking shot. They do not cut. He moves the board. Leonard throws the knife, and it sticks through the board. It's I'm assuming there's some sort of device on the back that has right, a knife actually, spring loaded right. and like punches it through a certain depth, right. like a you know like a you know some sort of mechanism. Right. But the the, the timing, timing on that? the timing is so incredible, and everyone's mimic because it's all it's everyone's mimic. Be mimicking. pantomime at that point, right? Every, so, yeah. Yeah. So everyone's like pantomime is. St- everyone's timing is spot on everyone's pantomiming nick cage's surprised reaction leonard palming the knife and if you want there's a
1: lot of shit going on and
0: i have it on blu-ray too i'm not watching like some like 480p like youtube cut i'm watching like the highest quality of this film that exists and the thing that really impressed me about the shot is that the moment of the actual throw like the like the the last quarter of Leonard's where, arm Where moving the release would be? ...is obscured by the board. Ugh, so, so whatever your, whatever trickery he does...
1: It's been happening that micro...
0: And as a filmmaker, moment. you'd have to hide it. But to be able to frame your shot so well and have your actors so well rehearsed that... A, They're hitting that mark? Moving a two-by-four an inch obscures the motion enough and then moves past it so that you see the backswing and the trickery has been done and the knife is through the board, that... There's a be- weird beauty that, to that my, shot.
1: I, I just got a migraine thinking about how,
0: when, it, if you, I'm sure you will because this movie's incredible. But yeah. when you watch that again, yeah. having thought about it seriously for a second, when you see that again, you're going to be like, that is truly superb movie magic. It's
1: it's so good. See, I I didn't. It didn't even occur to me when I saw because that because it looks
0: so natural. Yeah,
1: as so he uh. threw a knife into a board and oh well, you know it just. You're in that moment. Well the
0: cigar fucked with me so much. Right. That when you were it's like
1: I, looking for
0: And and a lot and because a lot of times if you watch a shitload of movies and you watch a lot of special features and you've made movies that have effects in them, mm-hmm. like when you learn how to throw a movie. They punch become or apparent. Right. Well, yeah, but and you it what always I always notice when a cinematographer and a filmmaker take the time to figure out how to do something in one shot. When you have edits, you can do anything you yeah, want. Yeah, you're cu-
1: you're covering whatever you want.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, man! Like I could I could literally throw an axe out of my hand, and then we cut to a reverse, and there's a guy with an axe in his head, or we have an axe stick into a board, or whatever. Whatever, right? Yeah, you can have an actor you can have an actor throw a knife, and then go into his trailer, and then do a thousand takes of the reverse until the knife sticks, and then you cut it together, and it looks like you threw the knife into the wall. But when you see a movie, where like John Wick. When you see a movie where you have an extended action sequence with several perfectly executed stunts in a single shot with no hidden edits, that's a lot of work. Yeah, that is like we're talking like mm. dozens of
1: hours of. You, and of you work. just mentioned one of my favorite newer movies, John Wick. Holy shit! Yeah
0: the the club the club shoot. Oh, we're, it, we're fucking for sure talking about John Wick. That oh movie is God. the bomb. Speaking, so good. speaking of John Wick and tying it back to Raising Arizona, I'm so proud of myself for thinking. I this. know. Go ahead. Um, he high makes a point early on. We find out that the reason he only does short stretches is because he never actually loads the guns. Oh, right. He
1: never actually puts bullets in. His, his
0: guns are all unloaded. So you know, he goes, "I never want to hurt anyone, sir." Well, we respect that. And You're not gonna do it again, are you? No, sir. No way. Well, okay then. You know, like right. In the end, when they're going to get Nathan Jr back. We've seen him check his guns a so, couple right, times. Yeah. Like throughout the movie, he'll like he'll like pop the cylinder open and then snap it back in place. And I realized at the end of the film, in the last time we see him handle weapons, he's ch- he's making sure his guns are unloaded. Mm-hmm. He's being like safe about it. So he's like I'm going to go to the door with a gun but it's I, I want he doesn't, right. he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's not lying. He's a good dude. He doesn't want to hurt it. So he's checking to make sure the cylinders, the are, cylinders empty. are empty. He's clearing his weapons. But in the last scene, when Holly Hunter's sitting stone faced in that chair and he's walking, delivering the fucking most awesome monologue ever. I was right. You're wrong. A fuck. a blind man could tell you that we're going to get him back, honey. I don't want you to worry about it. And the whole time he's, 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 um, competently handling weapons mm-hmm again, there's that business That thing. business. Uh. He's, he's delivering a rapid fire monologue and he's handling guns like he's done it all his life. So you believe you're like, you know what? Yeah, he actually is an actually armed robber his, type. Right, yeah. He loads in that scene. He loads his revolver for the first time. You see him drop bullets in and then he closes yeah. it and tucks it in. And he, the shotgun that he has when he cocks it, we've seen him cock shotguns. In the past, right, but nothing happens because there's, there's nothing, nothing in, in them. there. Right. In that last scene, it ejects a shell when he so it. So you know there's no filmmaker does that. Nobody gives that much of a shit to actually put like an, an empty shell to kick out. Right. I love the attention to detail in that it's tiny scene. It's all there.
1: It's it's all
0: there he i he shoots he only actually fires one live round in the whole film it's when leonard small is going to go and throw that throwing knife oh and right he and he pulls his pistol out and shoots his hand so what, at a long distance so what he's we he's a good shot he's a he's a fucking dead eye yeah he's like 50 yards away and he hits his hand with a revolver at like 50 yards from a prone position yeah so there's that he's there's that That touch like there's little details there's like he gets shot at with a shotgun and he just goes all right and keeps running and the man has actually
1: seen action and knows how to.
0: when he punches glenn he turns into a fucking psycho Mm -hmm. for a second but the whole rest of the movie it's like oh shucks ed i don't know i just wanna well god we got ourselves a family here (laughs) you know like but then but then his wife's in danger and he draws a pistol and hits a dude's he's he is he's legitimately like a hardened dude, but he's trying to put that behind him yep. so he doesn't want to hurt nobody. He doesn't want to hurt nobody. There's so much nuance. There's so much about the character that's never stated,
1: which is what's is so brilliant about it because it's all it is all there. Yeah. It's all there to to pick up if you want to or to not pick up if you don't want to, and I think either way this movie is brilliant.
0: Yeah, that oh my god, I'm so glad you said that. There are a lot of movies where you'll spin it and you you tell people, you're like, oh, you're going to love this movie, but you got to watch it. Okay? You got to
1: watch it. You really got to watch can't it. You can't just have it on
0: in the background. Right. You got to sit down. This movie, if you sit down and seriously watch it, it will reward you. Yep. If you just throw it on if and do If you watch it while dishes, you're folding
1: laundry or something. It works. Yeah, exactly. Movie- it's brilliant either way, which is... Even more, yeah. I'm just gonna be sucking this movie's dick for the rest of life. This movie my is
0: life. a masterpiece, and people are going to, if you haven't seen the film, that
1: will be my quote if they ever do a reissue. And like the, the, the you know, it, oh, your review, the, the, the review by review blurb <laughs> will be sucking this dick, this movie's dick for the rest of his life, Carl Hartley. <laughs> Carl Hartley.
0: And then Roger Ebert will be right, like right, the right. most depraved. Right. <laughs> um, but like this is gonna sound weird. Our next episode is gonna be a shootout episode, yeah. and we've been joking that The Searchers is just gonna win. But if you haven't seen this movie, what I'm about to say will sound weird because it's a Nicolas Cage film. Mm-hmm. This movie for me is a real contender.
1: Yeah, me too. I was thinking the exact same thing on the way over here. I'm like, dude, like uh, the Machinist is always is still sort of there. Oh yeah, there's I'm like there's there's, there's some. several movies for me. But this, I was like, oh fuck, no. The Searchers has a real. A real contender here yeah i think maybe more so than the machinist which
0: is well and the weird thing is is like you know moving heading up to the shootout you think about it. yeah this was the last one so i was like oh yeah it's a fun movie from my childhood but when you watch it again it it pushes so many buttons in you and then you can't find anything to fault it for it's weird like
1: no there's nothing wrong with this movie
0: at all at all, when and you, I,
1: it makes me feel weird to say that because there's always something, right, right, right. And clearly, somebody will mention in a comment or something. Well, actually, you know the. Whole, there's but, one.
0: There's one performance beat that is only good, one rather than excellent. Performance beat. Yeah, it's when they're driving in the car and um, Holly Hunter and Nick Cage are arguing, and Holly Hunter's like. We've got a, uh, honey, hi, we've got a family now. I know we got to change things. And he goes, well, I know that, honey, but we're all right, and there's no, you know, there's no, you know, I'm right. all right, and you're all right, and that's what matters. And she goes, she, uh, her line is, I know, but everything's changed. And when she says changed, mm-hmm. it's The worst part about this criticism is I'm not even saying,
1: "Ah, she delivers it poorly.
0: She just doesn't deliver it as excellently as as all of the rest of the dialogue. So it's not
1: even one line, it's one word in one line of dialogue. It's
0: one word in one line of dialogue that is simply good, rather than exceptional.
1: Well, fuck it, The Searchers is the movie for the...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because that is truly, from frame one to frame (laughs) final, totally unassailable. But I mean what the what the fuck do you yeah. even and it's not like this is a like a dumb movie that gets uh that is is you know like oh it's so much fun when when nick cage is writing when High is writing his letter to to ed and saying like i got to go do this i'm a criminal i i've got to go be a criminal you know i'll uh, and and also it's not even that he wants to go be a criminal it's that he realizes that he'll never be the man that she deserves, that she deserves yeah when he's writing that letter, we get voiceover. But again, we're not just seeing the shit that he's writing. We see it's running
1: a parallel to it.
0: Well, we see we see Ed sleeping with Nathan Jr. Mm-hmm. cuddled up. Then we see the sh- the the gas station attendant boy, and he's sleeping with jugs across his chest. Then we see uh, Nathan Arizona, the father, sleeping in his chair looking haggard as shit because his kid's kid's missing, missing with a book across his lap so we've i was like oh wait a minute the kid had a magazine and nathan arizona has a book and ed has uh nathan jr everyone has been through a traumatic experience and they're holding the thing that comforts them most in their sleep we literally get a montage. We could have just been... right. We could have shown more of John Goodman. I'm sure they paid money for him. We could have had John Goodman oh, right. cleaning guns <laughs> or like exactly. whooping it up. Or, or we could have stayed with Nick Cage and gotten some performance. But they, they assembled a montage that's not straight from the letter, but complimentary. Not even to the letter, but to the but ideas to the idea, expressed right. in the letter. That's beautifully subtle filmmaking in a movie that has the line... Two Koreans and a Negro boy with his <laughs> right. heart on the outside. Hit the deck, boy. That's the same movie. Same movie. Fart. 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 This movie and that movie are the so same.
1: So many film. social Dude, engagements.
0: So little so time. So little time. John Goodman's, we haven't even broached him at all, but he is superlative in this movie. Mm-hmm. The scene when he. Comes. Oh, by the way, this is when they're
1: birthed. When they when, when the the ground gives birth to the brothers. I've never and seen their blood. Big simple.
0: Is this the first time we see the Coen brothers roaring men? This is a trope in their films. Screaming I men.
1: I think it might be. Because I, I like It's been a long time Miller's since crossing You got the bloods- guy In yep. the chair
0: Screaming till he gets yep. shot You get John Goodman In every one of them Every the Le- single Barton Fink John Goodman's screaming uh, Big Lebowski John Goodman's screaming <laughs> but is this this
1: is the first I think so the
0: first of the Coen brothers roaring men and that is oh my them. god
1: it's one of the longest screams ever when he is coming up out of the mud he
0: has such an amazing I, I don't even call it a scream when it's John Goodman it's a roar yeah he's he, literally it's, roaring it's, when when everyone else does it there's a lot of like what yeah. Uh, ah. he's raw, well, when when yeah. William Forsyth is screaming in the car he's like ah and next to him John Goodman's got one he sounds like a fucking like engine with the with the gas on the floor. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I I I love impressions. I've never heard anyone do a good John Goodman impression. His too much jowl in There's his a, voice. There's a lot of jowl. There's something that he has between his neck and his whoa, mouth. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. Yeah, there's like you a can't. There's yeah.
0: a th- there's I I've always referred to it as jowl, but I actually don't know what it is. But I've never heard anyone mimic that man's voice. It's
1: not like a slur or a lisp either. But there's some sort. Of, it's like, like a
0: there's cheeks much, in the top of his throat. It's like
1: yeah, like, seriously. Like <laughs> there's cheeks my, in the top. Of, that's a great way. But of when it. He, and a little too much tongue.
0: Right. Yeah. Like his tongue's too a little like and not, and not a, like a touch too wide but no, just no. wider than the normal human's tongue and his cheeks go back a little farther but his,
1: his voice is a voice that is is like could, an amazing voice.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I could listen. I would like people are always like Morgan Freeman. I'm like, "Yeah, Morgan Freeman's got a great voice, but if you want you, if someone's going to read me children's stories, to be asleep, John Goodman." Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. When I die, who's g- who if I could pick one person to read my eulogy, it'd be John Goodman. I should write my eulogy and mail it to him mail and Be it to like John Will John you record God. this cuz I'm a lot younger than you and I want you to read this when I die. <laughs> But like he has such an amazing voice. His voiceover work, he's always like the second you hear it, you're like, oh, yes. oh, this is
1: John Goodman. You get excited. You do. It's not
0: even like, oh, that's John Goodman. You're like,
1: it's John Goodman. Yeah, no, exactly. Oh my god, oh, I didn't shit. know he was the voice of the amazing. Oh, this is amazing. Yes, it's gonna be a great movie. Yeah, re- you immediately think this is gonna be a great movie. And when oh, hearing his voice. He's a great actor. He's yeah. truly a great actor. Couldn't say Blues Brothers two thousand though.
0: Didn't see it, not gonna watch it now. Anywho. Don't wanna <laughs> don't wanna get I mean, like uh do you see Flight?
1: Oh, yes. Dude, he's fucking awesome. He Coco Puff, Puff when, he's, when he's working Denzel Washington yes. in the hotel room to get him ready for All his- All right, one
0: more, but man. Well, I can't, oh, I, you my... can't do his God, voice, you can't,
1: but, he... but oh. his- When he's oh. feeding Denzel Washington cocaine, cocaine to <laughs> like, get him
0: sharp, he starts him with some little lines and works up to those oh, bigger lines. Oh, my
1: God. He's just fantastic. Everything. And have, Everything Have you seen in. Red State? Fuck yeah, I've seen yeah. Red State.
0: Kevin Smith, uh, in my opinion, Kevin Smith's best film.
1: It's uh, Arguably- He's People
0: always forget about it. They go. I don't. <laughs> they go from like, oh, there's cop. You know, he did cop out, and he did those weird walrus Tusk. I'm like, no, 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 no. Red, Red State, State. He yeah. did a movie that bridges his stoner comedies and his his weird movies that he's doing now. And there's one film. If you have, if you guys haven't seen Red State, we should do Red State for this. Yeah, we movie. should. I was thinking about Dude, that. It's because so
1: I started playing killer. Far Cry Five. I'm like, this is Red State, the video game. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to talk about Red State. But
0: you want to talk about brilliant writing? That movie intentionally defies all of the beats of the standard Hollywood script. Every time uh, I I listened to all of his podcasts, but I remember when he was working on the film, he said the way he wrote the script is every time he knew what was going to happen next. He like basically Raymond Chandler used to say um, if, If my story Whenever it gets boring Just throw in a guy with a gun And what Kevin Smith would do is he'd kill the protagonist Right. Every time he's like, "Oh, oh, I know what's gonna happen next." He He'd just off the POV character and be like, "Now what happens?" And he just write in a <laughs> that's whole new. So it's fucking. T- it's it's like creating your villain out of one of your out characters' heads. Out of one of your characters' heads. heads. It's these little writing <sighs> those tips. writing tips. That's so fantastic. I should just write them all down, and then every project I do from now on that's what, that's will your... be unreadable because I'm <laughs> mashing together so many <laughs> writing tips. They're just like, I don't understand this at all. Like Isn't even... it smart? They're like, no, it's it's not. It's not smart. Get out of my office. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't like you for some reason. Your pretension is showing. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me,
1: sir. Your pretension is showing.
0: Oh my God! I mean. I I, uh, I I know you don't have your notes and I, I know wanna, it's I feel
1: like shit about it because I didn't fall asleep it's fine. During this There's
0: so I'm, I'm I'm just gonna can I like burn through some
1: oh, no, please
0: please this This movie is so delightful to talk about because you could if we were doing like if we did this for patreon Rather than the main season mm-hmm. we could do like 15 minute episodes about like five seconds at a no, time easily like the, one of my notes Uh, After that big fight scene it's so fun like there's a huge fight scene they tie Nick Cage up he falls over it's like "Ah, And they don't you know but rather than do the you know like play it for funny they just leave you in dead Silence and Nick Cage is struggling in his chair and he falls over and you're like there's no score here There's no fucking score this is they just kidnapped his baby this is not funny it's funny but, but it's it,
1: not funny, yeah,
0: dude. It makes you feel. But John Goodman walks back in, and they do a POV shot of his perspective, and he reaches. His, his hands are massive. Okay, Tom Hardy's body's a character. John Goodman's body in every movie he does. His 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 voice is a character. His face. His face. He's yep. such an expressive face, and his bulk. His the the way he carries his weight. <laughs> Shit. Where'd all the tellers go? We're down here, sir. We're down sir. here, sir. Down on the ground, Gabe, like you like told, you told
1: them. them. God damn it, I told no, you not no, to use my ruler. Which one real name. is it? Do you want us to raise our hands or get down or freeze? Freeze? Or?
0: Because you want us to get down on the floor or do you want us to freeze? Because if we get down on the floor, I'm going to be in motion. But if I'm not in motion, I can't rightly get down on the floor. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up!
1: <laughs> Where'd the tellers go? <laughs>
0: That old timer broke my concentration. The next one's gonna go better. Dude. Yeah, it's so great. (laughs) Every scene of this movie is excellent. Yeah. But the scene I'm talking about, when he walks back into the thing to to get the Dr. Spock's book. Oh, yes. When (laughs) he reaches his massive hand down, there's a beer can on it. He doesn't sweep it away. It's a tiny flick of the wrist. It's ping, and that can fucking shoots off that book. And you're like, you realize how heavy his mm-hmm. hand is. I wrote down: John Goodman's got a hell of a swat. <laughs> but dude, he like he swats the can, and you can just- sends it into the outer space. Speed yeah. With which it flies away. You're like, his hand must weigh 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's absurd how hard he hits that goddamn can. And then he brings the book out and throws it on the seat and goes, "I got the." Or no, <laughs> no, it's um that's that's Nick Cage's line from earlier. When the, he steals the Dr. Oh, Spock. I, mean, I got the instructions. I got the instructions. <laughs> Toss it on the seat. Um, God, like when John Goodman and... I was talking earlier about that, the operatic feel of some of them. The mythic feel. Yeah. When John Goodman and William Forsythe escape from prison, there's a thunderstorm oh happening. Oh, God, Rain yeah. is pouring down. And rather than just having him come out, John he's Goodman...
1: screaming just, like he's being born.
0: Uh, it's And it's a minute or two three minutes of that, and they never stops.
1: Nope, and then he reaches down and, and grabs his brother by the foot so he's a breech baby. Right, and
0: oh my god, why aren't you breastfeeding him? <laughs> my god, is that what that's about? Yeah. Is that the birth? And they're like big yeah, children. Yeah, they're big children, yeah. And then he's like, later when he's like, if you don't breastfeed him now, they'll hate you for it later. And then John and Goodman John flips a, the, the a spoonful, the of, spoonful cereal of cereal over cereal shoulder. shoulder. That's what Doc Schwartz tells us. That's a great little yeah. bit where he's so like such a s like so unaware of his surroundings. Just <laughs> he flips just flips cereal. cereal over shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but he pulls he pulls his brother up, and in that low shot up, John Goodman is holding him off the ground with one hand because his other arm is extended and like while ecstasy, he's and yeah. they're both screaming. It's. It's the most primal, like it, in the same way that like really arty movies that show you like shot of the moon, river of blood, here's a flame. And it's like touching all those like archetypes, the like stuff that hits the primal parts of your humanity. That scene does that Mm -hmm. in some weird way. You're like, you're like around a cave fire and you're with John Goodman and you're like, ah, yeah, John Goodman, you know, (laughs) it's so fucking intense. Um, when the baby shits his pants And his brother's so embarrassed By his like even though we ain't he just went And took himself a little old rest stop And John John Goodman looks and goes Oh and then he like makes it f- like the Best I wish I could do his face But he like looks it's a podcast So they can't see my face can't see it be like He like does like His eyes like Looks off into the distance like he uh, Like he's hosting some sort Of like history channel show or something He goes well, that's natural. <laughs> that's literally the line. <laughs> and in the scene after that, when Forsyth goes in to rob the Huggies, if you look through the window, you can see John Goodman running around the <laughs> with the, lot with the, the baby. baby <laughs> <laughs> just... Okay, look. All I'm fucking
1: raising Arizona. The search for more Huggies. Oh is my the...
0: god! There's 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 the lines. I I'm just I I'm just gonna keep doing like okay the the whole the stick up. I'm pretty sure that later in No Country for Old Men, I think that 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 stick guy's up,
1: still counting. <laughs> 68. 60, ah, ah, bullshit! bullshit. <laughs> Gets up. Uh, not seven hundred sixty-eight, no, Mississippi. Seven hundred sixty-eight,
0: <laughs> Mississippi. Yeah, everyone's delivery of lines is so. eight hundred and sixty seven, Mississippi. Seven sixty-eight Mississippi. And then, but I think that the way that's shot. I will have to go and look or. Not, but I'm pretty sure that that stick up scene, the scene where Javier Bardem goes into goes that and he's, and he's got the lucky coin, yeah. and you that, the call it that scene. scene yeah. yeah, if the call it scene, if anyone wants to do some serious soul searching about them as a writer, what we did not, uh, that scene, the tension is so high that you're sweating at the end of it, and mm-hmm. no one ever directly threatens anyone, and no one gets hurt in that. Scene. No, it's just. But you feel like you're about to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. They raise the stakes so much, but no one's threatened, no one gets hurt. The scene ends totally innocuously, and yet you are panting yep. at the end of it. But I think that that the raising Arizona scene, I'm pretty sure that they homage the shots to that in No Country for Old Men because it's a, it's a similar like diner or like gas station. The gas station, setup. right, right, yeah. It just has a really similar feel to it. And then there's there's two lines. I I can't. I'll just keep talking about the film forever. So I'm not going to i'm just going to do two more notes Fair and enough. then we'll get out of here because Perfect. i'll just keep going um yeah, J- i could this but- one's quick and john could john goodman when they robbed the, the hayseed bank <laughs> the john goodman has a line that the way he delivers it you can't tell what he said but when you put the subtitles on or when you yeah that's what i did is i, I put subtitles on it's when you can read it, it's super clear. His line delivery is amazing. It sounds like he's singing like he's stating lyrics from a rap song. The line is: anyone found bipedal in five wears his ass for a hat. Because everyone's on the floor oh, right. and he's making them count. So
1: bipedal beyond your two feet. He and then... pronounces
0: it bipedal, but the his cadence as he delivers delivers it, he goes, Anyone found bipedal in five, wears his ass for a hat. And you cannot fucking Like what un- the hell is he yeah, saying? Yeah, you're like, was that words? but it's i i wrote it down because every time i've seen this movie when he says that i'm just like the it, there's a coolness to that delivery where he they finally got the money and they're leaving and this is his they fucked up the they whole robbery they fucked up everything
1: but he's gonna get this this their is the right. moment yeah. he's like
0: you it's like he worked it yep. like he worked that line and then the other line my, my dad's favorite line he says it to me um, every time we watch this movie he says it along with Nick Cage when Nick Cage goes and uh, actually kidnaps uh, or no fails to kidnap Nathan Jr. right that's another weird thing that happens in this movie is characters try to do stuff and fail pretty frequently yeah but um, he goes. And then
1: Holly Hunter yells at him through a closed window.
0: Yeah, don't you come back here without a baby hat. Huh?
1: As she's rolling up the I window a and keeps yelling at him.
0: But Nick Cage's line when he gets there, she she goes, you know, like, oh, what happened? And he goes, I started crying and they were all over me. It was kind of horrifying, honey. Let me in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he's so sweaty. <laughs> he's, he's sweaty during that whole scene when he's trying to
0: just. We, we didn't even talk about the baby scene when no. he's trying to kidnap those kids. It he's trying them all out too. Dude, it's like it's like the Cohen brothers were like we're not going to make a horror movie, but let's shoot a horror movie for 4 minutes. The score?
1: That It's creepy.
0: It's so crazy. He's like, like
1: <laughs> he's like playtesting testing the, each of the babies <laughs> he's and he's sweating so all weird.
0: Boring sweat. And he's like he's got the And the babies
1: start to kinda like stalk him a little bit. The one jumps on him all drooly and he's uh, like
0: and the by the way, great good editing because the baby drools and then when we cut down again, there is drool on his ass. That's hilarious. The, I'm sure what happened is they shot the baby and they're like, oh fuck, the kid drooled. And then they're like, okay, let's get the reverse and they put Nick under the thing and he's like, some, like, but there's right. drool on there's his drool on his ass. It's again, there's there's no like you're looking for like oh it's a continuity or It's there's it's not there. Not there. Sorry. It's not fucking there. But um, the timing of that scene when the baby's crawling towards the stairs,
1: you're hey, like you that the little cameras following him too was like
0: well and when the baby's crawl the baby's crawling towards a very long staircase and that's like that's how babies die sometimes mm-hmm. nick cage is there's no other people in that shot there's no one and he's he's like a foot away from the stairs before nick cage even leaves the room you're like is no one going to get this baby? <laughs> like, you know it's a movie, but you're like, oh, shit, 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 shit. And then he swoops in, like, as the baby's, like, inches from, from the, the edge. And you know it, it's a film. There's This baby's not in danger at all. But the baby's, like, an inch from the end of the stairs, and he scoops up under his arm, and he does this, like, cool, like, weird cartoony I'm a robber walk <laughs>
1: he's like in baby POV
0: and then my favorite one of my f- one of my favorite moments of that is he's coming down the hallway coming down the hall all- again all one static long shot the Cohen brothers are geniuses with the when, with cinematography. He's coming down the hall he's coming down the hall he's coming down the hall he turns around to make sure he hasn't dropped anything and the second he crosses the threshold, the top of the mom's head comes up the staircase and you know that from a practical standpoint they can't they can't to have her have the right cadence they can't have her just waiting just out of sight and then say like go she has to be in motion so they get they ran it and they ran it and they ran it and they clocked it and they clocked it and they clocked it and then until they knew exactly when i would be willing to bet that on filming day they weren't like you know, because a lot of times they'll ADR, so directors can give physical direction to get timing right. So I'm, I'd be willing to bet where they weren't on they were filming doing day. A count. It wasn't like
1: everything. Okay,
0: Nick, and Nick is in uh, Alice. Go,
1: I guarantee. It was. Uh, we're walking three, walking two, mark one. Mark, I mean, they're probably calling it by the.
0: Well, what I was, what I'm saying is I think the way that it plays and as natural as it looks, I bet you they just ran like a rehearsal and they, they were like, they got Nick Cage to do that walk like a dozen times and they're like, okay, 15 seconds. How Mm -hmm. long does it take Alice? Okay. And I would be willing to bet that they just did that.
1: Oh, they just, they, oh wow.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it's so fluid and so natural and the, not just there, but there, the knife, the fight scene with John Goodman, timing in single shots in this movie is just breathtaking. This movie's this movie's great. I got I got lots more but fuck it. I got, I got it's it's all just little stuff at this point. It's it all though. just like and and there's that little moment where um, <laughs> all the big beats
1: have been hit, I think. Yeah. I mean Oh my god. I'm so I am literally... I mean, I've been chugging this movie's giant penis this entire
0: what else can episode, you do with but this movie though? It's
1: like it, this movie is an absolute joy and it's on my top 10. Yeah, I uh, like, last
0: year I made a list of my, because I've always, I, I put movies in my top 10 frequently. Well, yeah, yeah. So Bird and uh, Bird and Aaron, my wife Bird, for those of you who haven't been listening on Patreon, and Aaron, my former roommate, were like, make your top 10 list for real. And they made me sit down and oh, make and a the, list. Like, mm. So I wrote down like, 60 movies and then i'm like oh okay uh, i like and i literally was like do i like this one more than that one okay okay this one's now below 10 so we're taking it off the list right and i like worked out my list and i'm pretty sure raising arizona was on the list i don't know where i think i lost it but i'm i would like to do that again like really truly hammer out my top 10 because it's i t- 10 is tough 10 is really tough but i'm Pretty sure that if this is not if this is not in the top ten, then it is eleven. Right. This movie is amazing, and I could I could watch this movie again right now. Yep. Because you don't even like we said earlier. You don't have to necessarily pay attention. you nope. could just spin yeah, it. Yeah, just
1: spin it and we, and and work on whatever.
0: Right. And when the funny bits come, can
1: we watch this in, instead of nice um, bit on your grave? <laughs> you know what? Yes. Let's just. <laughs> Let's just
0: spin-raising Arizona again. We've been good.
1: We deserve it. We deserve it. I don't want to watch rate
0: movies. Fuck, I know. I'm really glad we did
1: this first. Me too, yeah, because we're doing a doubleheader <laughs> today. If we started with that, I, yeah, but we did that intentionally doing this first. All right, do you
0: do you have so. any other notes on the movie? It,
1: I don't, just...
0: It makes you laugh, it makes you cry, it's truly masterful filmmaking. Yeah. There's something for everyone in this film. Yeah. It's by far, it's the best, it's the, yeah, we've already covered, it's the best Nicolas Cage performance. It's the best Easily. of this month yeah. for sure. Like, this movie's amazing. All right, Um. but speaking of the movie that we have to watch tonight and why we're doing it... Um, This is a listener-supported podcast. God, I love saying that. (laughs) Um, So this is a listener-supported podcast, and we are getting that support through a website called patreon.com. If you like what we're doing here, there's more of this over on patreon.com. We're doing uh, bonus episodes. We're doing lots of bonus episodes coming up for that, and we are almost done with our first Patreon series in which we cover... All four of the I Spit on Your Grave films, the original 1978 um, OG, and then the uh, three remakes. We've watched the three remakes. Tonight we're watching the
1: original. Tonight's I'm the OG. Of, I'm, I'm, scared. I'm, I'm scared, dude. I'm I mean, little... I brought beer. I brought a blanket. I brought, you brought a blanket? I have a whoopee. Yeah. Wow. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. need it.
0: I, have a, I actually have a wool blanket upstairs, and the moment you said that, I was like, you know, I'm gonna I I'm going to get the probably, wool blanket, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll curl. We're all going to just <laughs> curl up on the couch. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna like put pillows over exactly but uh Uh but yeah so if you go over to patreon.com um the you know it's really self explanatory you can read a big about about us section um and then uh we're doing like shout outs on the show you can get access to our the first seven episodes we ever did which are not part of our season zero in which we did uh inglorious bastards and there were blood frank was amazing
1: i actually listened to that one the other day i'm like (laughs) <laughs> I missed I miss that movie. I want to see that movie again. It was so good.
0: Even if you don't support us, please support us. Um, go watch Frank. Like, even if you don't listen to that episode, I'm telling you, Frank, Michael Fassbender, everyone should see that movie. Um, and then, yeah, we're doing lots of bonus content. Our next series, we're going to do the... We were talking about doing Guillermo del Toro. We're pushing that pushing back, right back. For those of you who've been listening, we're going to push the Guillermo del Toro till later in the year for special reasons, which we'll reveal as they come up. But... um. We're actually going to do the House of Wax films next. We're going to do Rocky. We're going to do all of the Rocky movies. Oh my god! You're from over in that neck of the Oh uh, no, too. I
1: lived in Baltimore for a while. I'm from Michigan originally. Yeah, but yeah. you
0: lived over in Baltimore. I was
1: in Baltimore, which is real close to Philly. So,
0: mm, okay, cool. Yeah. So, do you have a Philly accent? Like, can you, do you have one on tap? I don't. Because you know who's going to do a lot of Philly accents. That's you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, when we get to those
0: episodes. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, so we actually, speaking of uh, Patreon and such, that's that's the basic skinny. I told you I'm not good at explaining stuff sometimes. Um, We have some people who have been helping out the show. um, Friends of the show, if you will. Absolutely. Um, Patrons. And let's shout them out, um, starting with our first two patrons who have been, I love how you spelled their name, by Uh, the way.
1: <laughs> like a bee that doesn't like uh, to be in front of people and right. doesn't like to talk in public?
0: So our first two patrons are John Shibe and Casey Shybee, uh over in NYC. So yeah, they're they're pretty close to Philly too. Yeah, but yeah, it's so that
1: it's that corridor.
0: The cor the you, the, you the, mean the East Coast? Yes. <laughs> yeah so they've uh, they've been they're patrons of this show uh, i do a show with my wife they've always been really supportive of the other ones called chapman and robin we talk about comic books love we've, it actually lately we've been doing really in-depth discussions of victorian erotica which have been uh, like changing people's lives apparently i've been getting emails about amazing yeah i'll tell you about it when we're off yeah. air. but anyway yeah john and casey Shibe, thank you so much and we uh Carl
1: oh yeah and we'd also like to thank Connor Sweeney as our patron over there on Patreon Connor Sweeney Connor Sweeney
0: I've never heard of him oh but neither of you and neither has anybody because I heard that Connor Sweeney the guy from Traverse City Mm -hmm. he's working for the government now and the NSA has been listening into conversations and any mentions of his name get you immediately double tapped in the back of the head while you sleep son of a bitch I know so we gotta delete this last bit of the podcast he's literally an international man of mystery (laughs) I'm fairly sure he just beds like dozens and dozens of women? Men? I don't know. Who knows? He's a fucking international man of mystery capital M. Holy shit. He has a, he's a severe alcoholic too. Vodka martinis. Shaking us <laughs> Just constantly. All day long.
1: Is he James Bond?
0: No, oh, not really? at all. Why would he be James Bond? James know. Bond is a fictional character. I'm talking about Connor Sweeney, international man Stop. of mystery. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you, Mr. He Who Shall Not Be Named, because I don't want to get fucking double-tapped. Who does? Carl. I don't want to meet the person, Jesus, Maxwell. Jesus, dude. Oh, I'm going to have to bleep all of
1: those mentions <laughs> in his
0: name. <laughs> all right. I, got, I have literally nothing else. We didn't explain the premise no, of the show, didn't. but Who, who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Um,
1: if you made it this long I mean. yeah
0: honestly um, so next your next episode we're gonna listen to I th- I'm think i gonna drop it in this month okay. I'm not gonna wait till June so our next our next episode is our shootout it's our
1: first shootout it's our first oh quarterly shootout dude oh I um, got so much to think about this week
0: oh god well with I'm really glad we ended on Raising Arizona because that was that was literally like the dark horse contender that came out, out of nowhere yeah. because it was to like,
1: say it's gonna but that, that makes me think about the other I need to go back and look at these right. up like think about them again I think
0: there are like obviously the searchers left an impression the machinist left a Absolutely. hard impression the man who shot Liberty Valance I know there's and I know that you are I'm pretty sure Unforgiven's out of the running
1: because oh, abs- I mean it's but uh, for
0: me that was that's a that's a hard movie so and we'll, we, we can, can probably it. order them and all butch
1: cassidy is on my top five list of favorite movies but we'll do
0: the shootout yeah. on the shootout oh, but, but but I'm all just, of a the, yeah what some, i love there, is all there, of anymore. a sudden all of a sudden it's like it's like uh, james bond walked in and cashed into the poker game with fucking raising arizona it was like two movies staring each other down yep. and now raising arizona is like a very real fucking it's contender like, oh, in my shit, mind now we've
1: got some thinking to do
0: uh, anyway, uh, so the next episode you hear will be the shootout, and then we're moving into my birthday month.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Which is Max's Flick Picks, which uh, uh, we're doing uh, basically, I'm doing, we're just doing like really cool, fun arty movies from yeah. David Lynch and Jim Jarmish. So uh, tune in for that, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Absolutely. So uh, honestly, I know it's not technically words for an outro, but there's really only one way I can go out. Uh, go for it. Tonight. So uh, th- let's say our names. And you've been,
1: like, do we do that? We don't. We don't? No, we, we, just we don't leave. Do our, Yeah, we just We leave. just go out. Yeah.
0: So we would just queue up the <laughs> I'll probably fade this part out. <laughs> <laughs>